free pizza! Free fucking pizza! It just shows up at my fucking door! What am I supposed to do? So make sure you get to have a drink of water nearby. I may not know what the term thirsty actually means after reading that. Um, because it's a double feature of Eli Roth's Knock Knock and John McNaughton's Wild Things. So of course I have a 20th century um, club reunion of sorts. Firstly, she makes every show she uh, she's on it's better. Film Feast, Cobwebs, the show Film Alchemist, inside the sequel. Um, it is the amazing Carmelita Valdez McCoy. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you, Lindsay. You're <laughs> sweet to me. It's so good to be back. Thanks for having me. No, it's been too long. And I was just like, oh, yes, I have to have Carmelita on. And then this happened. And yeah, I'm really excited. And of course, we also have with us, um, well, he's the host of the most amazing um, action for everyone that I can't stop listening to and giggling at. It is, of course, the amazing Mike Scott. I am so fucking glad that I am on this show with two women because <laughs> this, this is uh, when we, when this happened over Twitter and, and, you know, Linz, I think you'd thrown this out and you're like, yeah. this is great. And I'm like, fuck, this is a great double. And you're like, Oh, you want to come on? And I think Carmelita, you had jumped in and said, I'll do that. And I'm like, look, I'm only coming on if Carmelita's on because I am not <laughs> going to even attempt to unravel these movies by myself. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, happy to be here. Very, very excited to, to dive into this. No, it is. When I, I think Carmelita was doing her usual, I'm watching an amazing double feature, and I just went, holy crap, that's an amazing one. And <laughs> it all just kind of happened. And But yeah, there's a lot of boobs. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, this is a very booby double. Very thirsty, very hot. And as I'll get into my watching wild things and going, how is Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon extra hot in this movie? This does not make sense or feel right. Um... <laughs> But before we get into it, um, Mike, I'm loving action for everyone. I don't know that secret sauce you have with Liam and um, Vice is just absolutely incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it, they are. Um, wow, they're awesome. Like I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna say that I, I, I love. You know, we were actually we recorded this morning before doing this episode uh and at the time by the time this comes out it'll be out we recorded mm. with Scott Wampler and uh Eric Vespi from the King cast but Liam was just basically saying like it's 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 our it's sort of <laughs> it's a weird way to describe it but it's actually it's our guy time it's the the one time a week we the three of us get to get together and just sort of shoot the shit about these you know weird arguably not great but sometimes amazing movies that we love so much and uh um 
you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and certainly, you know, I had done Adkins undisputed before and I, I had a, a certain audience, but the audience has basically tripled, if not quadrupled uh, since Liam and vice kind of joined and we, and we rebranded. And uh, so people seem to really be uh, responding to it. And frankly, even if they didn't, I don't care. I love talking to those boys every week. It, it just, it's one of the high points of my week. No, it's kind of, it was amazing how quickly this, the action community just kind of sprung up around you and goes, oh, this is kind of our action sort of podcast, which is really, really cool. Speaking as someone who is only knows a tenth of that kind of stuff um, and listen to you guys just kind of shoot the shit, throw shit at each other, just, and then Vice just laughing hysterically in the background. It's, yeah, it's, it's a joy in my Monday, at least when I get to listen to it. <laughs> True to well, the name, I, I... it is for everyone. Yes. Yes, it is. And and that's something we do really take seriously. You know, we, we've done some stuff. We, we did a, a thing for uh, Trans Texas, you know, uh, kind of a little bit of a fundraiser. And because action is such a regressive genre and it stars people who have very regressive politics. But the reality is no matter your politics, we can all come together and appreciate Jean-Claude Van Damme kicking somebody in the face. Yes. And so we wanted to kind of try and create a space for people who enjoy that, but maybe feel left out of some of the other quote-unquote action spaces. Um, the machismo of it all. Yeah, I, I don't know how successful you know, we are at it and, and, and that's not asking for like compliments or anything because we're never going to be perfect, but we can promise we will continue to try. Uh, and that's really all, all we can do. Well, no, I think that's it. You wear that on your sleeve very well. You're like, yeah, we're not going to do everything right. We're not going to do what you think we should do all the time or talk about a movie you like or whatever, or even, um, sort of say the wrong thing or have the kind of, you know, accidentally do something, but you've always kind of worn that on your sleeve to begin with. You've never promised, oh, this is what we are. You're like, yeah, we know we're just three meatheads talking about Van Damme kicking people in the head and because we like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it feels very, oh, I, even though I have learned so much from action and become such a huge action fan since actually knowing Mike, I'm still listening to the show going, yeah, I feel included and I know shit about action. <laughs> Well, thank you. That's, that's very kind that that's it, it. You know, if the two of you enjoy it, that, I mean, that's, that's enough. That's all I need because you know, you guys know how much I adore both of you. So that's, if you guys are feeling that way, then we are, uh, we're hitting, we're hitting the mark and that's, that's all we can, we can aim for. Uh, yes. Oh, you guys are you, indeed you are my friend. Yes. And Kamalita, have you been guesting on any ama other amazing podcasts lately or you just been chilling out oh with Ruby? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what have I done recently? Well, I was recently on the shelf shedding movie show. Mm. I got to talk about six Ridley Scott films. Ooh. So that was a good time. That was my most recent uh, I was on Film Feast not too long ago talking about From Dust Till Dawn. Such a good episode. I don't think I got, I, I think I forgot to tell you how much I was just giggling all the way through that, just the joy of it. Fucking <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Episode. Just fucking love that episode. Oh, yeah. There's you something about talking about the 90s, you know? Mm. 
which we get to do a little of here today. So we do because you two, yeah, you two met on the 20th Century Film Club, or was it before then? Well, so no, Carmelita, yeah, Carmelita has been a longtime fan of the Dana Buckler show, yes, um, and a longtime fan of Dana. And so, uh, Dana, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Carmelita, but this Dana actually reached out to you and uh, and asked you to come on at. Because you did two episodes, if I remember correctly. He I asked did. That's correct. And do, and do one. And that was where we met. And obviously, I immediately was like, I absolutely adore this person. So then I asked you to come back on. And you and I did the fantasy one that to this day is still one of my very favorite episodes of that show that I did. Uh, because I I got to talk about Dust Stalker 2, which is still oh, insane. so much fun. And you introduced um, Deathstalker 2 to me. I did. I did. And you. I'm you forever watched, in your debt. I, if I remember right, I think I also got you to watch Flash Gordon, too. If, if you I did. recall correctly. Yeah. True story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you that episode introduced me to Deathstalker 2. And when I watched it, I just went, oh, this is really fun. <laughs> Any movie it's that so starts fun. with somebody saying, I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker 2, smash cut to title Deathstalker 2. Like, come on. Like, yeah. like you, that, that movie knows exactly what it's doing and it does it brilliantly. It really, really does. Um, and speaking of uh, getting into a movie that I think knows exactly what it's doing, um, this was one of those movies I said, oh, what have you been watching lately? I said, oh, yeah, I watched Knock Knock. And then I got a horrified look. Um, so I think Eli Roth <laughs> did exactly know um, what it was doing. We're going to be starting with, of course, as I mentioned, Knock Knock. Um, now we'll start with uh, Kamalita. If you're going to choose a trailer for Knock Knock, what would it be? So this film is not what you would call great. <laughs> there's an energy to it mm. that I think works really well with the energy of knock knock specifically the antagonists in both the films i'm going to show the trailer for the crush from 1993. nick elliott was looking for a nice quiet place to write he thought he found it with the forrester family <laughs> then he met darian how much they're paying you to watch me? Just running the guest house. From the moment she met Nick. You don't know how hard it is for me to make friends. It's like everybody thinks I'm some kind of freak or something. I'll be your friend. She was crazy about him. Darian's a very special girl. Nicholas, darling. Oh, hi, Darian. It's my friend Amy. Hi. It's my landlord's kid, Darian. She's got a crush on you. What, are you saying I did something to provoke this? Well, did you? At first, he was flattered. If you were ten years older, you'd what? Oh, I didn't even think of this one. This is a this is really good. It's it's so bonkers, and and the '90s was like replete with films about unhinged teenage girls. This was like a thing. Yes, it was. And <laughs> Alicia Silverstone, who is kind of the the antagonist, the lead antagonist of the film. Oh, I was, I actually rewatched it this week. Mm. And let me tell you, she would be best friends with Belle and Genesis from Knock Knock. I think those three 
could burn the world down. I, yes, I think you are absolutely right. The 90s had this kind of thing of um, crazy ladies doing crazy things. And yes. um, I didn't think of this, but I actually kind of thought um, that um, Tracy Flick would, was also would be really good friends with those guys, just, orga- just helping them organize, oh. you know, everything so they could go on their little game. Um, but, yeah, the 90s was a great time for just watching amazingly crazy badass women do chaos and just burn the world down um probably because that's how a lot of people saw certain women but i kind of think we should reclaim them (laughs) uh, oh mike have you seen this movie i have i have i saw it in the theater because again i'm an old um so i saw it in the theater i saw it opening weekend and uh you know it does it does fit the theme i as we're and we'll certainly dive into this more, but as I was watching both of these movies, I was like, the real theme here is just dumb boys who can't like, like just very strong, aggressive women completely destroying dumb boys. And the crush certainly fits that because God, Carrie Elways in that movie is a (laughs) dumb boy. He's such a dumb boy. (laughs) He's such a dumb boy in that movie. So, I I mean, this is just, yeah, this is a perfect trailer. No, really, really, really great trailer. Um, Mike, what would your trailer be for Knock Knock? So I I went in a bit of a different direction for this one. As as we'll get into when we talk about the movie, uh, part of the problem that I'm going to have with this movie, Mm -hmm. and I'll elaborate later, is in fact, Keanu Reeves, uh, and I will I will elaborate why as we mm. get down the road. But what I did decide to do is I really wanted to highlight what a proper evil monster Keanu can be. So my first trailer is actually going to be his, uh, to this date, his only directorial movie, uh, the 2013 Man of Tai Chi. Oh, nice. You have a contender. How would you like to test how good you are, Tiger? Or could become pure fighting? What if I lose? I can't fight Tai Chi for money. It's disarmable. We want to see a pure-hearted man of Tai Chi become a killer. He says he's just underground fighting, but it's something else. Killer be killed, Tiger. That's what I want. I actually forgot he directed that. I was like, what did he direct? No, that is an absolutely... An amazing movie. I was so surprised by this movie when I saw it. Come later, have you seen this? I have not seen it. Tell me more. So he plays a guy named uh, Danaka Mok, which is a perfect name, who runs an underground fight thing where he wants, he he likes to corrupt innocent fighters. And, okay. uh, and the main character, a guy named Tiger, played by Tiger Chen, he is a Tai Chi master, and he's Keanu's like, I've Tai Chi, perfect. And he, he brings him in. Um, 
Keanu is such a uh, just overwhelming presence of like malevolence in this movie. And it's, it's amazing. Um, he actually directed it. He wasn't supposed to direct it, uh, but he, he had helped get it developed because uh, he and Tiger Chen uh, met on the set of the matrix. Uh, and Tiger was one of the, the stunt people on the matrix and, and Keanu really wanted to highlight him. And so he helped get this movie off the ground and, and some funding fell through and the original director fell through and Keanu basically said, all right, I'll direct it. And, uh, and it is this love letter to martial arts cinema that Keanu so wholly loves with his whole body, but he also knew he needed to be in it to get them the funding. And so he cast himself as the bad guy and he is an un real villain in this there's there's you'll, you'll see it it's even in the trailer there's a line that he says repeatedly where he just goes you owe me a life and just in that in like this big hulking keanu reeves saying that is so like just awesome as a villain uh and and i i i just uh, i really think that that is going to be a nice play going into knock knock where he's kind of an asshole but he pretends like he's not in Man of Tai Chi, he's just full on in. I'm a monster, and it's 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 one of my favorite martial arts movies of the last decade. So I I think it'll play really nicely. Nice. No, I think it will. And that final fight between them is kind of incredible because it is the ultimate good with Tiger, who is kind of established as not quite a saint, but pretty close. It's got that really cool dichotomy between good and evil in in this one, and the fights are really freaking amazing. Um, but yeah, that final fight between him and Keanu is, yeah, definitely, uh, that's the one thing I still remember. I still think I vaguely put my memory of him doing the Matrix come hither, even though I know he doesn't do that in the movie, but me and my partner were so waiting for it, but um, just to turn that evil. Um, but yeah, it's, um, this is a, I didn't even think of this and this is a great trailer. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I try, I really, I struggled, but that was the one that I finally settled on because I'm like, I want to do a Keanu trailer. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do asshole Keanu. Yes. We are going to be talking about asshole Keanu in this. Definitely. Um, yeah, I kind of went for a slightly different, I, I struggled to try and pick a trailer for this as well, because it's such a weird tonal movie. Um, but I am going to go for, I decided, I wanted to go for actually a sex comedy, just because I think that is where, um, Eli Roth keeps putting those kinds of movies in his movies where they don't necessarily always belong. So I'm going to go for Hard Bodies from 1984. Columbia Pictures proudly presents a minor motion picture event, a film with absolutely no redeeming social value whatsoever, a film that has won not five, not three, but absolutely no Academy Award nominations. A film that luminaries like Bergman, Fellini, Spielberg, and Lucas had absolutely nothing to do with. A film that every critic in America has unanimously hailed as a motion picture. This is Hard Bodies. The film that will teach you important new words like Hard Bodies. It means perfect little foxes down on the beach. BBD. It's a bigger and better deal. And Wuss. Yeah, she said we got a lot more class than an immature boy like you. Oh, man. That was. I was going to do Hot Dog, but I have not seen Hot Dog, but I have seen Hard Bodies. And it is, yeah, pretty much two old skeezy guys who decide to go to spring break to try and mack on a whole bunch of 
um, college students and they have to find a guy to try and help them. That is the movie. It is, yeah, it's hard bodies. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> it sounds like a good fit. I vaguely recall hard bodies, very <laughs> vaguely. Yeah, I think I watched it for a Junesploitation a couple of years ago and just went, well, that was what I exactly expected that movie to be. And yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's a very dumb premise, but it's got this weird sense of humor. These sex comedies have this very bizarre sense of humor about it that almost, well, it always borders and goes to sexual assault in them. But this one is, it's it's a, it's not a great movie, um, but I think the trailer, the tone of it is going to work for Knock Knock. <laughs> Well, it, it very much hits the theme of uh, what I think is going to be the theme of this episode, which is sometimes movies you enjoy are real fucking gross. And uh, Hard Bodies is uh, in 2020. Super gross. <laughs> in Year of Our Lord 2022, Hard Bodies is real fucking gross. But I, I remember watching it as a kid and loving it because, hey, titties uh you yeah. know i mean like that was exactly it but uh but yeah it's i think it it's a nice lead in into knock knock yes and knock knock is a movie that will give you anna de armas and then make you feel bad about going oh my god how hot is anna de armas in this movie um which i kind of that's the one thing i like because i agree with uh Kamalita. knock knock is not great but i think it is really interesting Yes. Oh, we're so sorry to bother you, sir, but my phone got wet and she left hers at her house. Oh, I'm sorry. But if you want, you can come in and use my phone. Yeah. You're a lifesaver. Not everyone would let strangers into their houses. You don't look that dangerous. I'm not so sure. Could we maybe throw our clothes in your dryer just for like 10 minutes? Sure. How long have you and your wife been together? 14 years. Being with one person your whole life is going against nature. Well, when you love someone. Come on, Evan. Buckle your seatbelts. We may be encountering some turbulence. Guys, I have your clothes. They're pretty much dry. Surprise! Oh, stop, stop, stop. I can't do this. I'm married. Yes, you can. Guys left. Who made you rookie? I'm not hungry. We can forget this habit. I made a mistake. Go. I'm calling the police. We'll start with Kamalita since you're the one who was watching this and got this all kicked off. Was that your first viewing of this movie? It was. So, so as some people might be aware, I like to come up with a theme and watch a double feature just for funsies, just to have a good time. And so one particular evening I wanted to watch wild things. And I was like, what could I pair wild things with? Mm. And in my brainstorming knock, knock came up and I had never actually seen it, but I love Keanu and I was curious. Mm. So, and based on the synopsis I was like, this sounds like this could fit. And it really does. Oh, it does. Knock, knock. <laughs> Knock Knock is wild, man. It's, I feel like it's very surface, but there's also, there's a lot that you could read into it. There's a lot of bigger, deeper questions you can ask yourself mm. and spark a lot of conversation. And then it also, like those sex comedies of an earlier era, 
it's also very surface. So it's, it's like a really weird experience watching it for the first time. Cause you're like, am I supposed to be cheering for Bell and Genesis? Am I supposed to be rooting for Evan? I mean, maybe the safest person to root for isn't a person at all. It's Monkey the dog. Like, I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's a really weird experience because you're not sure who should I sympathize with here? Who's, who's like, is, are there, are they all villains on some level? It's, it's a trip. This movie. It really is because uh, there was a thing where sort of, because this is the first time I'd watched it. I knew about it because I have a friend who talked about this movie for months because she hated it so much. I think it burst her, what her view, her view of Keanu Reeves was. It's like he, he was this per, the person she had this image of and then he, she watches Knock Knock and went, what the fuck is this? Um, because he is playing a scumbag. Um, but that kind of worst kind of, oh no, I'm a nice guy. And then you find out that you're in, um, a very promising woman and it's not any of that. It's yeah. So you're kind of wondering, it's like, oh, I'm not rooting for anyone. I'm just watching a whole bunch of assholes being terrible. But at the same time, Eli Roth lays everything on so thick. I mean, the first shot is them, him going through the house. So many family photos. <laughs> it was just like. Okay, wait, 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 what, what, what is happening? Why is there like over large family photos of Keanu scaring the family? Um, and then you kind of realize that, oh, this maybe is all play acting for him. He's not that interested in going away with his family for Father's Day and having kids and a wife and is kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's got some raising question because I've always seen Eli Roth as kind of like the ultimate bro director. So I think I went in with a certain mindset and then the movie kind of switched a little bit of like, oh, is he actually doing something else that I didn't think Eli Roth would want to do? It, yeah, Mike, what do you think? Oh, man, I, I, I don't even know. I have so many thoughts on this movie. <laughs> um, this is so, I had seen this when it came out and oh. I actually remembered kind of enjoying it. And uh, then I rewatched it just last night for this and let's just say my opinions have changed um so I'll, I'll i'll sort of start with the eli roth bro of it all mm. um so you know i've long defended eli roth because when hostel came out that was very very much accused of being like a bro movie and i have always argued and i do still stand by this that what Eli Roth was actually doing in Hostel was uh, taking the piss out of American bros. You know, mm. like the our our main leads in Hostel are such douche bros, and boy howdy do they get fucked for it. Um, but I did like one of the things I love about I guess spoilers for Hostel. One of the things I loved about Hostel is Jay Hernandez is the biggest douche bro of them all. And he's the one that survives because of course he is. Yes. Because he's the douche bro. He's not the fake nice guy. He's the one that's actually going to be willing to kill people to survive. Mm. Um, here, I had a harder time navigating that because I legit could not tell if Roth was trying to take the piss out of, uh, you know, wife guys uh, to use Twitter parlance mm. by showing that Keanu claims to be this good family man um, 
or if he is like, hey, hot girls will ruin your life. And and, and it, the way the movie, I, I really had a hard time navigating what his point of view was on this because ultimately I kind of feel like he maybe didn't even have a point of view. He's like, hey, I can put my wife and Anna Diarmas because again, for those who don't know, he was married to Lorenza Izzo at the time. Yes, he was. I can put my, I can put my wife and Anna Diarmas in this movie where they're, you know, given a joint blowjob to Keanu Reeves and man, that's fucking cool. And there was a lot rewatching it this time where I was like, that kind of feels like that's all this movie is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I always kind of wonder where he's coming from. Cause he always feels, feels, I mean, I feel the same way kind of about Kevin fever that I think he is to one extent making fun of those douche bros and they are all horrible and they all have horrible deaths. But at the same time, I'm like, but you feel like you're one of those douche bros. So I don't know how much of um, your actual, and then I feel like, oh, maybe I'm reading too much into cabin fever. And I felt like I was doing this with <laughs> knock knock. Cause I was trying to, I always think that, yeah, Ila Roth has a plan. I don't, yeah. And then I'm like, does he have a plan? I mean, I think he does think cause he thinks it's funny, which is kind of why I went for the hard bodies um, trailer. Cause I think, oh, you're making a, I think you're making a comedy. I think this isn't funny, but I think you're actually making a comedy here, which is, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a hard movie to put your, fin your finger on because one thing you're like, oh, you could be making this and the commenting about this because this is how I'm reading it. But I'm like, but that's how my mind works. My mind's going to go there to, oh, this is fake wife, bro. He's annoyed that his wife, he can't have sex with his wife. So when... Because he literally calls him free pizza at one stage in the movie. That kind of very famous. Yeah. That when I sort of said, oh, I'm watching this. All I got was free pizza. Um, yeah, the Nick, the Nick Cage meltdown. Yes. It was free pizza. It was free fucking pizza. pizza. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. And that, for all the things I will say about Keanu in this movie, uh, Jesus Christ, that was beautiful. That was, was amazing. It was perfect. It's a brilliant it, rant. It is a brilliant, brilliant rant. It is this guy who... Um, felt he's, well, he should not be in this position, which he probably shouldn't be, but at the same time, he's kind of showing his true colors almost when he's just being tortured and the two women are just staring at him going, okay. Um, it's, yeah, so I'm always kind of figuring out, trying to put my finger on Eli Roth, where he sort of stands, what his sense of humor is and everything like that. And I think I'm reading way too much into his movies. I think he thinks Keanu Reeves yelling free pizza, being stuck in the dirt up to his head and doing the whole cake monster thing is just his sense of humor. <laughs> Come on, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie is, it's very murky. And yes. whatever Eli Roth intended to do, the truth is once, once art is out there, it's open to interpretation and people are going to read it in all different ways based on their personal experiences, their taste. Mm. And, and so that's kind of the interesting thing about this film is because it's so murky, there are some different reads and I don't think any of them is invalid necessarily, but I, I feel like there's some big questions that this movie throws out there and it doesn't give you a satisfying answer. And I think there's probably no way we can answer these questions <laughs> to everyone's satisfaction, but you know, things like like how much temptation can someone resist before they give in? Yes. Like some mm. people placed in that situation, in that house, letting these two people, like some people wouldn't even let those girls through the door. Mm. 
like and and they and the genesis and bell characters they keep provoking and they keep upping the ante to see like at what point does he give in Mm. to the temptation how long can he resist and like that's that's like a very human question like put in that situation how long could any one person like stick to their principles or their convictions or their ethics uh the idea of is the threshold lower for men because genesis has the famous line at the end where she says they never say no no matter who they are Mm. and i'm i'm assuming they've only done this to men i get that impression that they they haven't tried this on on people other than those that identify as cisgendered men so it's like there's a big questions that i don't know that eli roth really answered necessarily but i like kind of thinking about it and thinking about like at what point like at at what point does does the evan character like completely abandon his principles or does he like and can he love his family and as he says make a mistake and like what should the punishment for that be and like he makes so many mistakes it's not just the one mistake he makes a ton of mistakes it's so many so it's many interesting to kind of like think about like how, where do i fall in some of these these larger questions that really on some level apply to all of us anyone who's been in a relationship these kinds of issues come up not to this extreme but it's something that everyone wrestles with at some point no i think that's a really good point because um genesis and bell really push it as soon as they're in the door they are and sitting in the living room just making themselves at home when i'd be the one sort of standing there awkwardly in the corner just like going just thank thank you goodbye um then they you know get him to dry their clothes so they're wearing robes and then they're dancing um anna de Amos does that amazing dance when she's listening to his music and she's kind of flattering him going oh you're a really good dj and all that kind of thing when he's probably an okay dj um right and that kind of thing and then they're in the bathroom naked and yeah they really do kind of okay he's not saying yes yet he's not saying yes yet he's not saying yes yet oh wait we're naked in the bathroom now giving him a blowjob he's saying yes so it is kind of an interesting thing of when these other guys that they've um targeted say yes or is it um this kind of series of allowments that uh evan is making so he can kind of feel better about himself that the decision he's ultimately going to make it's yeah and you're right roth is throwing all these questions out there and if you've been in a long a long-term relationship these things are going to sort of come up you know what is flirtation what is um an emotional relationship that is not with your partner what is all these kind of kind of murky questions and then um you're sort of watching this movie and going oh do not let them in the door that this is going to be a mistake on all levels that was mistake number one (laughs) was mistake number one (laughs) but it's yeah but i just don't eli roth doesn't answer it i think he likes to be a bit more i think he likes to be the crazy monarchical loki when he's making movies to sort of make the audience go so what's happening like in a green inferno i'm going to show you something completely horrific but have a fart track in the background and it's this kind of weird discombobulation but at the same time i think it's more he does answer the questions but i don't know if it's because he wants you to be confused or if he's just literally just going this looks cool um and that is always the internal question i have with roth and it keeps changing 
Um, Mike. <laughs> Relationship yeah, I, issues. <laughs> no, I, you know, and that and that's one of the things is I, 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 I'm just sitting here going. So the biggest problem I have with this movie <laughs> is, um, is actually Keanu. And and look, everybody that knows me knows I fucking worship at the altar of Keanu. Mm. I think he gives a brilliant performance here, but I think he's miscast because the problem is he's in until he has his Nick Cage meltdown. He's in full, like sort of puppy dog, adorable. We love him. Keanu mode, Mm, despite what's happening on the screen. And I think in order for this movie to work, you needed, I was actually talking to Kelsey about it because she didn't watch it with me, but I was talking to her and, and one of our favorite shared TV shows is burn notice. Mm. And I was, I was telling her, yeah, Jeffrey Donovan really would have been great in this because what you needed for this actor is somebody who has an edge to where you can buy that underneath the surface all this happy family man surface, they're actually a dick smack. Mm. And the way Keanu plays this for 90% of the movie, I just don't buy it. I just, I do not fucking buy that this guy is like, I buy that he's letting them in. I buy that he's letting them dry their clothes. I do not buy that this guy's having a threesome with them. Mm. And, And that really kind of, messed with me as far as what Roth was trying to say in this movie, because I get the whole idea of like all men are, are at our core, you know, if Ana de Armas and Lorenzo Izzo show up at our door, all men at our core are, you know, we're not idiots. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> but, but Keanu's so inherently likable and lovable that it, I think what he was trying to do with this was to, turn that on its ear and say hey even the most likable and lovable person can still be uh, a bastard but i i actually i didn't i didn't make that journey with him uh it's it's actually funny i I, i'll we'll probably get into this a little bit more but i watched deep water last night right after i watched this the new ben affleck uh on a diarmas adrian lyon movie Mm. and and i was like fuck affleck would have Killed this role. He yes, because you totally uh, believe he'd be Dick Smack and have an absolute threesome with those two. So it's not it, a but you also but Affleck is also really likable, right? Yes. But he's always got that edge. He's always got because we all know about his life troubles and stuff like that. He's always got that underlying turmoil that mm. unfortunately Keanu just doesn't bring to the table here and and that was a, a little bit of the biggest problem i had with the movie was i was just like well now i just feel like i'm watching them like kick the shit out of a nice guy for two hours right even though he did have the threesome i'm like well i already don't buy it because this guy would have never had the threesome to begin with so i was already sort of out of the movie at that point you're right because he is in definitely i'm lovable mode he i mean this would have been after john wick but he looks he's like he doesn't look john wick ready um he's a bit schlubby around the thing he's meant to be a bit you know he's got a a sore shoulder because i think he's just had shoulder surgery um all this kind of thing but you're right it's just you do feel like he's completely 
way too much put upon. So when that turn happens, even when he starts screaming at them, which is meant to be the true Evan, um, I think when the chips are down and he thinks he's going to die, that's when the true Evan comes out and it's that beautiful meltdown. But yeah, it's kind of, you're right. He does feel too, especially after the threesome when he wakes up. I do love um, uh, Lorena and um, Anna in the kitchen just causing absolute havoc. I mean, it's just mess everywhere. They just, they're, again, raising the stakes. It's like the two women came in, they did whatever, and you think, okay, now they're gone. No, 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 they're still here. They are still in your life, and they are not going away. And how that scene ramps up, I really, really like, because um, I do think you get hints of it when he really gets um, Lorena by the throat. But you're right, he's too... It's Keanu. He's too nice. You want to hug him. Yeah, Ben Affleck, I do want to hug, but at least I know that it's because he's Ben Affleck, not because he's Keanu Reeves and I am kind of slightly in love with him. <laughs> yeah. That burn Affleck notice casting would be awesome. It would be. That would be. That'd be perfect. I can't, I can't with <laughs> Affleck. I have this thing with Affleck. I can't. But... <laughs> but I get, but I, I, I get the sentiment. Someone similar. I get what you're saying. Yeah, you just you you want somebody that you're like, I love you and I want to hug you, but I don't trust you as far as I can mm. throw you. Mm. Yes. And I would literally trust Keanu Reeves with my fucking life, you know? And and so it's and again, this is not a criticism of his performance because I I yeah. legit think he's absolutely brilliant in this movie. Mm. He does everything that's asked of him, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was the right person for the part yes because there are moments where this movie gets very very uncomfortable for me and i think it has a lot to do with the fact what they are doing to keanu reeves because i'm like oh why are you being mean to him seriously stop it um but at the sense kind of one of those movies like um why is everyone being mean to keanu reeves kind of thing um you didn't need to be doing that but at the same time he kept making these little allowments little decisions that kept letting them in more and then then you get to the point where Anna de Armas is wearing his daughter's uniform and underwear, and I'm just like, I'm really uncomfortable with Anna de Armas doing this. I find her very attractive, and this, which I think is the point. I realize that, but I think, yeah, it's, um, I think it's, I love his performance, but I completely agree with you. Um, Burn Notice, just a more chiseled jaw, I think. I don't know why I put really chiseled jaws with <laughs> douche nozzles. So if the guy had a slightly more chiseled jaw, I would have completely believed what was happening. <laughs> As we will get into when we get into wild things. Um. I'm sure we will. <laughs> well, and, and no, you, you brought up a good point about trust because mm. I feel like one of the major themes for me in this film is about, is about honesty. Like Evan's greatest sin is him wanting to preserve this secret. Like if he had called the cops during that first, you know, that, that morning after, mm. if he had called his wife and confessed to his wife and told her what's happening, like mm. I made this mistake. I had sex with these women. Now they're trashing the house. Can you call the cops? Like if he had come clean, if he was not trying to preserve his image, if he was honest, he could have avoided a lot of problems here. And I think the trust thing that's so important because yeah, Keanu Reeves, we come into this movie loving him, wanting to believe everything about him is genuine. And 
yeah, I think it would, it probably would be better served if there was someone that you're not really sure, because then you can buy that this person's greatest fault is their dishonesty. Mm. Yeah, because it is all about the image that this he's trying to maintain. Um, I keep going back to the photos in the house, but they were just like, well, those are really large family photos. I'd be freaked out if I walked into this person's house. But I think they do convey a very specific kind of image that um, he wants, at least he wants to show. You don't necessarily get to know the wife all that well. Um, but it's, you feel this is an image that he wants to portray to people. And even when Colleen Camp comes up to the house and... and Italy offers him a massage as well. Everyone's offering to touch Keanu Reeves in this movie. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, Lorena Izzo's Genesis comes out and kind of ruins her image of it and she gets very huffy and sort of goes away. But it's this very kind of, yeah, you keep wanting to think Keanu's going to do the right thing and he never does at all. Um, he just keeps... Um, doing the exact thing you don't want him to do and that is um yes yeah, so you're just so watching this and going okay i know you're gonna make the right decision eventually and he never does though admittedly this movie ending with him buried up to his neck trying to get his hand out of the dirt is one of the uh, quite a, one of the most incredible things i've seen on film um on my tv at least um but yeah you just uh, I, because from the instant you do not trust Anadamas or Lorena Izzo, Genesis or Belle, as soon as they get to the door, you're like, mm, maybe it's because I knew I was watching a thriller. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is not going to end well. <laughs> well, and, you know, going back to sort of our point of, of murky, you know, Carmelita, your point of murky, muddy uh, themes. Did you guys watch the alternate ending for this uh or or not um i read what the no. alternative ending was but i didn't get a chance to uh find it yeah it, it's on youtube you know the alternate ending is is uh you, you know it's a flash forward a few months and evan is outside and he's tracked genesis and bell and uh to you know finds them at their mm. new target and it ends with with literally him knocking on the door and them saying who's there mm. and, and so the implication is that he's gonna you know and he's all he's his beard's longer and his hair's all greasy and so the idea is his entire life's been ruined and now he's gonna take his revenge on mm. them and it, it it makes it even i'm glad they didn't do it that is the ending because on one hand you want the catharsis of like these crazy girls fucked with keanu reeves you want them to pay but also that that just also kind of completely undercuts the point yes, uh, right. i i think of maybe the point that eli roth was trying to make that you know uh if you're a rich privileged dumb boy and you make bad decisions you need to own up to them uh it's it's actually funny i after i watched the ultra sorry i'm rambling a little bit here but after I watched the alternate ending, my YouTube popped up an interview uh, on Jimmy Kimmel's show that Keanu did promoing this movie. Mm. And I will mm. tell you, it is five minutes of pure joy. But I really I really think Keanu nailed it because he, he says in the interview, he's like, well, what they want him to do is they want him to apologize for what he did to take ownership of it. Mm. And I was like, you know what? That is the theme of the movie. Mm -hmm. But yes. I don't know that Roth conveys that 
very well. Like, like right. Keanu yeah. on a Jimmy Kimmel interview shouldn't have conveyed that point better than the fucking movie he's talking about did. Yeah, I never got that. I never um, thought it was all about them him wanting to apologize and owned up to what he did. It was, um, but he never does because he's consistent. And then he blames them right to the end, um, fully. Um, though that scene where he does get raped on the bed is a little question. Anyway, um, but yeah, he, again, he allows these little allowances. And the fact that Keanu kind of gets the theme of the movie that Roth probably isn't interested in that end because he's not a particularly sentimental director at all. Um, he's going to go for the uncomfortable laugh more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I have to watch that um, interview. Just how no other actor can just make you feel so happy than watching a Keanu Reeves interview. I don't know what it is. The man is magic. He is. He's just pure magic. Absolutely. Yeah. He just like, um, and he just goes, I think there's a, a question Stephen Colbert asked him of like, what do you think happens after we die? Cause he was promoting resurrection. Um, and he just goes, Oh, we live in our loved one's hearts. And you're like going, that could have been scripted, but I don't care. That is the perfect answer. <laughs> I have watched so many Keanu Reeves interviews, and I will tell you, I do not believe for a second that those things are scripted. I, I, he literally just believes that. The other thing that's really funny about that interview is Kimmel's asking him about having a sex scene with Lorenzo Izzo, yeah, uh, you know Eli Ross' wife, and he's like, uh, "Was that you know was that hard for you?" And he goes, "Well, it wasn't for me, Jimmy." <laughs> <laughs> just the way he says it. Very honest answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, he did say, he follows it up. He says, but it's, I'm not the type of guy. It's not like I walked up to Eli and was like, Eli, Lorenzo's really hot. I can't wait for this sex scene. You know, like it, it's, it's, I'll, I'll DM you guys the, uh, I'll, or uh, on Discord, I'll mm. send you the link. Uh, Cause you, you guys will, it's just a fucking delightful interview. You guys will nice. love it. Yeah, and maybe that's because why he is miscast, because Keanu is just usually a delight. Even when he's playing a bad guy like in Tai Chi or um, in, well, actually not, he's not a delight in Neon Demon. He is the worst person in the world. And you can see he's kind of taking delight in playing um, that character in it, which kind of makes me feel even worse for some reason. Um, again, I showed that same friend Neon Demon and she, I'm surprised she's still speaking to me because she was like, why would he do that movie? I'm like, I don't know. I think he just, he's an actor. He likes playing different things. He's like, what kind of person is he if he does knock knock? I'm like, I don't know. A lot of action people can be conservative. Who knows? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, she, she really got angry at me. Um, but it's, yeah, Knock Knock is, it, it does play on his persona, which I quite like in one respect, because you don't want anything bad to happen to um, to Keanu, but at the same time, I like how the girls' minds work in terms of how they're working together, how they know how far they can push him. Sometimes they push him a little bit too far, so they have to back off a little bit. Like, the fact that they do leave the house, but then the neck that night, they're right back. Like, it's, I don't know if that's always part of the plan, or if they just um decided that no we'll go back and be in fuck with them more because he let us do a b and c it's it's um it, it's kind of even though it's a really uneven movie and it and not great at times it actually is paced really well it moves it there's not moves. a lot of there aren't a lot of lulls it's, no 
it's kind of go 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 and there are i think because some of the scenes are uncomfortable mm. there are parts that feel like oh man this is like can we can you stop it's going for a long time <laughs> can we not see any more of this but but i think that's just because of for me the way that it feels mm. how uncomfortable it is um i just gotta say yeah just to, we talked a lot about keanu i mm. i want to say that that bell and genesis those characters are so interesting yes i think the casting of them is great because there's there's the whole plot line of they have told evan that they are underage yes which is, turns out not to be true but mm. they're in that kind of i think diarmas and lizzo they look like that 18 to 25 demographic where mm. maybe you're you could be younger you could be older but you're probably somewhere yes in that range mm. And so it's the, it's believable that they're over 18, but you could see where he might be scared enough <laughs> of the claim that they're underage. So it's, and they're just like completely unhinged. Oh yeah. Their performance is, it's really uncomfortable to watch, but at parts, it's also very fun to watch. There are a couple of things that they get up to that I can never forgive them for. Oh Yeah that just like break my heart taking the dog anyway. i think was just i think was the lowest of the oh, low i don't know why but then just to injury insult to injury just picking up the dog and walking away i'm just like but you can't take the oh okay oh, guys seriously yeah, leave the dog like, <laughs> like twist the knife with taking the dog but it like, was the death of lewis to me yeah the assistant his wife's assistant like that's a pivotal moment where i'm like maybe they've taken these this these characters too far now they're so unsympathetic yes that i i'll be mad if they get away with it no yes you're absolutely right i killed I lewis i forgot about lewis i can't believe i forgot about the death of lewis because it's such a moment that comes out of nowhere because the whole thing is they're fucking with evan they which is kind of in the way the movie tracks is completely understandable but then of course because this is a movie someone has to come to the door and they kill him and then they end up putting like paper mache on his face it's yeah they get too, they they he does push the unhingedness too far because i do like the dynam dynamic between the two because you can tell that genesis is definitely kind of the one in charge a little bit um bell kind of refers to her a little uh, uh, throughout the movie as in terms of, okay what do we do now um Gen uh, genesis is the one that really pushes keanu to to violence a lot of the time um right. and then they kill lewis and i'm just like that wasn't necessary they could have you could have just taken the boxes and let him leave. There was no point in actually adding that beat of, oh, now we have to kill him. Um, it could have just been, yeah. So that was, yeah, you're right. That was a weird beat. <laughs> Mike, what do you think about the death of Lewis? Uh, it, so this is the part where the movie really starts to drag for me. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the sort of later second act, first part of the third act, just it grinds to a halt because the hmm. buildup's actually really nicely done. You know, the hot girls come in and, and is Keanu gonna be tempted and stuff. And, mm. then, and then we get them going crazy and messing up. But I don't know. This was one of those movies. I know it's only 99 minutes, 
but I feel like it could have been 15 minutes shorter. Like, like this, this would have actually been a wonderful, like tales from the crypt episode. Oh I, yeah. I feel yeah. like, mm. um, because there, there's, there is, it, you guys both said it moves and I agree with you. It moves, but there's still somehow for me, at least a lot of flab mm. in this. Um, in the death of Lewis, uh, Colleen Camp, who, again, uh, just trivia, we don't need to get into it, but for those who don't know, this is actually a remake of a movie called Death Game, uh, directed by Peter Trainer, that starred mm. Colleen Camp. So her appearing in this as the friend who shows up and gets all mad at Keanu is a nice little nod uh, from Eli. Um, but, yeah... <sighs> I was kind of left a little bit just sort of whatever with the the death of Lewis because mm. at this point I already feel like okay I already know these girls are like they're something. I don't know I don't want to say they're monsters, I don't want to say they're psychopaths, but they're something. Mm. And I didn't need that extra little push. And and you are you're both right in that that this again gets to that murky Eli Roth doesn't have a POV because uh, contrast it to something like hard candy where uh, Elliot page does some truly horrific things, but you never feel that their character is anything less than sort of righteous in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and here it's kind of like, I think that's, I think Roth was kind of going for that vibe, but because he makes Genesis and Bell kill Lewis and do some other really horrific shit, you end up losing some sympathy for the sort of righteous Avengers, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the righteous, the righteous women who are, standing up for all the women who are cheated on and treated badly by their husbands and mm. stuff. Um, and some point, sometimes when you're so unwilling to take a point of view, like take a fucking point of view, dude, like man up and do it. Like you're Eli Roth. You can take a point of view, but yeah. Uh, sorry. Again, rambling. I'm, I'm, this movie has got <laughs> me like, all sorts of spun around and and then <laughs> and then like i said following it up with deep water last night like i'm gonna get to it in a sec but boy do i have some thoughts on Ana de armas that are not gonna make me uh any fans on the internet let's just put it that way no i am i was meaning to see actually deep water before i watched this but just i needed sleep um as much as i like to pretend i don't um but no i think she has two modes that I've seen so far. She's still quite early in her career, so we don't know where she's going to go to. But she has the I'm Adorable, which I really love because it's in Knives Out. I think she's great in that movie. Or she's I'm Sex Kitten, which I think works in um, Mike's movie No Time to Die, um, and but does not work here. <clears throat> um, Lynn, Lynn, <laughs> what's, what's the proper title? Oh, uh, A24, oh shit, what is it? A24's, um, oh, I forgot what the movie is. A24's um, 6, A24's 6 Underground. 6 Thank Underground, you. sorry. It's the proper the proper title is the A24 6 Underground, uh, Mike's favorite movie. Um, I think Anna de Armas as cute sex kitten works 
perfectly um, because it's kind of used in the really amazing context of like, oh no, she can kick all the ass and she's just, this is how she likes to, this is just her personality. Um, but here I think the cute, there's this, she's trying to do the cute and sexy at the same time, sex kitten at the same time. And it doesn't completely work for me. I am mostly uncomfortable every single time she's on screen. Um, and this because I want her to be something else. But yeah, I think again, cause, cause Eli Roth doesn't like to pick a point of view and, or if he does, it's to make you, and because he's so more concerned about making you uncomfortable than he is doing anything else that every time she was on screen, I was like, Oh, I feel a little, I'd like I need a shower. <laughs> Mike, you're Anna de Armas rant. <laughs> Lay it well, on I was going like, I, I, I was going to let Carmelita pitch uh, yeah. in first on, oh, on yeah. her response. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carmelita, so, Anna <laughs> You know, she's she's one of those actors that whenever I see her, I'm like, oh, her. Mm. And then I can never think of what movies I've seen her in. So, so yeah. I, I wouldn't, like, I'm kind of neutral on her in mm. general. I mean, clearly, she's a stunningly attractive woman. Mm. there's no question about that and and i i think here in in this film that whole yeah the sex kitten sexy but kind of like the big innocent eyed it's Mm. yeah it makes you uncomfortable i i think for me that works that it's that it's so uncomfortable and it, it has it raises those questions because they raise the question of age in this yes. film. I think it it kind of plays on that. It makes you confront. I mean, that that's something that this film touches on that a lot of these, like we mentioned earlier, the, the 90s unhinged teenage girl movies, kind of making people confront that the reality that of the attraction of youth Yes. But then also the at what point is it unacceptable, inappropriate, morally wrong? There's like a there's a really uncomfortable thing in our society around sexualizing youth, but not too young. Mm. How young is too young? And and it it just it skeeves everybody out for very obvious mm, reasons. Yes. Um and ugh, yeah. It's icky, but it's a reality. Yes. That I think we get every once in a while we have to confront and it doesn't feel good. It feels yucky. Yes. And, and I think her kind of cutesy thing here kind of brings that up for me. Which, <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't think this is an Academy Award winning performance. I'll also say that. So. <laughs> no, she has two sort of tricks in this movie. Well, she does well, but I wouldn't say it's Academy um, Award winning um, performance either, though she is very effective. She is used like a weapon, as Carmelita says. It's kind of this weird thing, especially in the 90s. You can just rattle off a whole bunch of movies, Poison Ivy, Crush, even Election. Then when you find out that every single teacher in Election is like screwing students, you're just like, oh, God, why didn't I pick that up back in 99? Um, And all these kind of things. Um, And it was kind of more making light of that. Now you sort of look at this and you're like, "Mm, that's, there's a reason why we're skeeved out by those kind of ideas. Even going back to Hard Bodies and Crush, it's just like, hmm, yeah, this is, we don't discuss, eh, we don't discuss it enough because it is very prevalent in our society, but at the same time, it is so gross and we need to kind of, yeah, we really, yeah, it, it's a thing. 
<laughs> Mike, sorry to get you in on this conversation. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, I'm, I'm, you know, again, this is why I was willing to do this because mm. there's, you know, it was funny. I was actually talking to Kelsey. I'm like, I kind of feel like I might weirdly be the one that's like more like upset with these movies that we're talking about mm. than my, you know, female like co-hosts. Um, but here's the thing with, with me with, and I, it did, it literally solidified after I watched deep water mm. and Linz, you hit a, a lot of it on the head. Anna Diarmas is in Carmelita. You, you hit this too. She is a, she's painfully hot. Mm. Like just, it's like physically hard to look at her. She's so hot, mm. but she has, a mode that is coquettish sex kitten. And she keeps getting cast in these movies where she has to play a Barbara Stanwyck vixen. And she's fucking terrible at that. Yes. She's, she's terrible in this in terms of conveying somebody that can be like manipulative and always ahead and she's terrible in deep water you know the 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 thing and i again this isn't a deep water episode but the thing i kept thinking is I'm like fucking monica bellucci's right there like why mm, did you not cast mm. monica bellucci and she's also age appropriate for ben affleck because yes. the other problem i had with deep water is anna diarmas is a child I, this 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 couple has not been married fucking long enough to have three kids and have this like deep seated hatred of one another mm. because in order for that to build anybody that's been you know married especially you know not to unleash baggage but mm. of course you can say it takes a little bit of time for that shit to build up and and there's just no way that that's I don't buy her and I've watched a lot of her Spanish movies and it's the same problem. She keeps trying to play a character that she is not. She is a romantic comedy lead. She is Sandra Bullock, uh, not Kathleen Turner. And, and that's what Lorenza Izzo in this totally has that edge. I totally Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I even buying her killing Lewis to an extent because I think, and she is constantly ahead. Like there's a few times when she, she does push um, Evan a little bit too far and she knows and she pulls back straight away. Like she is, that's why you see that she's in charge um, because she knows exactly how to manipulate, how to push, when to do it, when to pull back. She is completely, um, I buy everything she's doing. I'm just feeling that El, uh, Ana de Amas is following her along like monkey like a little puppy um there's so yeah and i think you're right i think anna de Armas is a is a romantic comedy lead i mean i loved her in knives out because i think that's she felt more comfortable she could be she's cute amazing in knives out she's she, absolutely amazing she's amazing because she could be just cute and sweet and didn't have to put on this kind of sexy pretense it's kind of like Brad Pitt being the most amazing character actor, but unfortunately in the body of a really incredible leading man, but he's just not that leading man. I think Anna de Armas is the same. I want to see her do more romantic comedies. I want her not to be, but because she is just so unbelievably sexy, she gets put in this. And it's not 
doesn't feel like the same kind of fit for her. Whereas Lorena is a kills it. I mean, she is hard edge. She can kind of play it soft when she needs to, but you can see that kind of working behind her eyes a little bit. The cunning. Um, the cunning. Yeah, she's always thinking, always thinking what she needs to do. What's the next step? Da 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 da. Um, but yeah, you never get that sense with Anna de Armas at all. Though I haven't seen the original um, yet, I wasn't able to track that down. So, which would be interesting because I've heard it's much more the alpha male getting brought down by these two women, Colin Camp and yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. I haven't seen it for years, but yeah. it absolutely is. But yeah, you know, and that's the thing. I I the, I love that you brought up the Brad Pitt analogy because mm. I sort of feel like because Anna de Armas is Spanish. And because she is a major actress who is 100% willing to show titties, mm -hmm. uh, she keeps getting pinned into these roles that they're not right. I think she's miscast in this. I think she's miscast in Deep Water. I think she's perfectly cast in Knives Out. Like mm. that is that is her wheelhouse. That's what she is great at because all she is in that movie not all she is that's not a criticism mm -hmm. she's a kind caring person who ends up winning you know sort of because she was kind and that is that's the anna de Armas. but you know i watched she was in this spanish movie i can't even remember the name but it's basically about all these kids partying and doing drugs mm. and stuff and it was even then it was the same thing it's like how how do you keep miscasting this girl? And uh, and again, she's everybody loves her on the internet. So you know, I'm yeah. I'm saying some things that are going to get me uh, in trouble, but I find her in most of her roles completely irritating, and I don't think it's her fault. I I think it's a lack of understanding where her skill set is. I think you're right because I also really like her in Blade Runner 2049 but she's doing the same sweet thing. You find out later that she's right. kind of meant to be more this kind of sex hologram that um, uh, Gos Gosling has turned into this kind of just companion and then she's just there to be sweet and be nice for him because that's all he kind of, that's what he wants. Um, not what the advertising you find at the end is. Um, but yeah, I think the, yeah, I think when she's in Knives Out, I love her. I fell in love with her in Knives Out. I think she's so amazing because I think she is nicer than everyone else in that movie and she is smarter than everyone else in that movie. Um, which I really, really love. I mean, yeah, she can be dopey and have a very slow car, but, um, that's kind of where she excels. And in this movie, I'm just like going, I, oh, you're so good looking. I can't look at you, but at the same time, you make me very uncomfortable. And then... I'm kind of thankful for Lorna Izzo, who's got that edge to her. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the person that I can see absolutely um, do doing all these things. Um, she's got that cunning and that kind of thing behind her eyes, though. Even if she killed Lewis, I don't understand why she just didn't kill Keanu. But eh, that's 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 the, that's the movie. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say um, about Knock Knock before we get onto Wild Things? I'm just so glad that you guys were willing to talk about it. <laughs> Cause it's like it's a weird it's a weird one. It is. And there's and there's like so many like minefields that you can I mean, just really this episode in general. Well, <laughs> yeah, I just I did an episode in Irreversible and the fan speaking of sexualizing right. young women who should not be sexualized. Um so I think I can just do anything now. <laughs> 
I've done the big one. This is why we love you, Lindsay. <laughs> Anthony and I were talking, you know, well, I think you saw it on the Discord. We, we were yeah. all talking about how uh, Anthony, Rob, I, Carmelita, we were yeah. all just talking about how you can just fucking throw a double feature at Lindsay. And she's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's unreal it's 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 amazing we talked about the night porter for christ's sake we did talk about the night porter and i love that movie and i still can't believe matt saw that at 10 i'm just like how are you not like rocking back and forth i've seen that movie oh, at 10 that's one of my favorite stories it's so good. <laughs> oh yeah i saw the night porter at 10 what <laughs> no that, that movie traumatized me and i was in freaking 39 <laughs> um no but then i put it is amazing um if you haven't watched it please watch it it is disturbing as all hell but that movie is oh my god um yeah it's and then fair we... to say it's i think it's better than knock knock there's no question it is yes. way better it's way better than knock knock no uh, i think we can yes Nightwater has very much an intent behind it it will make you very uncomfortable but it has a very much a specific intent i still don't know what the intent is completely for knock knock i can pick and choose what i feel like at the moment um but yeah, it's it's knock knock. And with that, we are gonna get into wild things. Um, now, who did I, uh, Mike? If you're gonna choose a trailer for Wild Things, what would you choose? So this one is not as far left field uh, because uh, is Man of Tai Chi because uh, this is really where the whole theme of dumb white boys getting you know, what they deserve. Comes so much play. more satisfying in this one. <laughs> um, so I am actually going to, my trailer is uh, the 1994 John Dahl directed The Last Seduction with Linda Fiorentino just. Mm. Yes. You still a lawyer, Frank? Yeah, still a self-serving bitch. Friend needs advice. I'll set it up for you. Husband and wife do a one-time drug deal. Only the wife decides the new house would be happier without the husband. Bridget! She's anxious to start spending. The husband is entitled to half of whatever you buy with that cash. For how long? Well, as long as it takes to finalize a divorce. Called three times since he got the paperwork. Something about a loan shark and his thumb. The hundred grand that we borrowed is 150 now, and he wants it. I'll pay off the shark. Give me a divorce, we'll be even. Anything. She's in cow country. The first seduction was fast. You have your own place? Yes. Do you have indoor plumbing? Yes, I have indoor plumbing, I have electricity, and I have a name. No names. It was easy. You're different than the others, Mike. I feel like, oh, maybe I could love you. Uh, I love this movie. Um, Florentino kills it in this movie, and to see Bill Pullman as an uh arsehole in this and to get see as a peter berg um completely and utterly screwed in this movie more ways than one is um i love this movie a lot <laughs> Kamalita, you've seen this obviously i have yeah but it's i mean it's been ages mm. long long time but it's a good fit from what i remember yeah you should watch it again because it it still holds up it's one of those amazing 90s um erotic thrillers where you're just watching it going yes <laughs> i love 80s and 90s erotic thrillers so yeah that, you, you got me with that a terrific blu-ray from i think mvd uh mm -hmm. i can't remember i've got the blu-ray but i can't remember who but it, but nicely done blu-ray and yeah just just a uh maybe my favorite honestly of the sort of 90s neo noirs uh it, it's just 
John Dahl was just really with this and Red Rock West. He was just doing some terrific shit in the early nineties. Um, he really was. So, yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just a terrific, like erotic thriller film noir. But but the real reason to watch it is just Linda Fiorentino. Just everything that I criticized about Anna Diarmas dual 180 for Linda Fiorentino in The Last Seduction. Like, she is the perfect uh, actress to play that type of role. Uh, Linda Fiorentino in Last Seduction does not give a flying fuck about anything. And that is kind of what I love. She is just, she's going to do what she wants in that particular moment. And she is going, and she is smarter than everyone else in the room. Um... And except for maybe JT Walsh, who, oh my God, every single time he turns up in a movie, I'm just like, yes, um, who's kind of on her level. He's not in it enough, but you can kind of tell this is a guy who gets it and <laughs> just knows not to mess with her to a certain point. Um, no, I love this movie so much. Come on, give this another watch because it is, I know you haven't loved it and you haven't seen it in a while, but it is one of those amazing ones that holds up. <laughs> um, uh, most definitely well. Yeah. And with that, come later, what will you choose as your trailer for Wild Things? So I had to bite my tongue because it, this got mentioned in our conversation oh. about Knock Knock. And I, I bit my tongue not to like jump in and say, oh, that's going to be my trailer for Wild Things. <laughs> uh, so I'm going with Poison Ivy from 1992. Uh, I got to keep a certain grade point average. I'm slipping in biology. My name's Sylvie Cooper. Like most 15-year-olds, what Sylvie Cooper wanted more than anything else was a best friend. Everybody hates me. Oh, well, everybody hates me, too. Do you want to come over? Someone to talk to. Wow, this is great. Someone to understand her. Oh, Ivy, this is my mom, Georgie. Till death. Someone like Ivy. It's nice and cool in here. Um, I miss my ride. No. Dad, she's my best friend. But Ivy didn't just want a friend. Ivy wanted more. I hope that when I die, I'll have owned a sports car, had a family, a home. And she'd do anything to get it. Oh, perfect. I, I have not <laughs> seen this movie in forever, but I keep meaning to rewatch it because, oh it. my God, Drew Barrymore in this movie. <laughs> This movie, so I, I picked this because you've got a bizarre love triangle. Yes. And in a, an inappropriate teenage girl to adult man relationship. And this one is really gross because, I mean, Tom Skerritt. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Tom Skerritt, isn't it? <laughs> Tom Skerritt with Drew Barrymore and her little baby face of the night. Like, it's, it's it, I mean, that's icky. Yeah, but there's a scene that's notorious, and I mean, this film it has that like, it has that like sexy sax noir feel to it, but it's not. It, I don't know. It's just it's bizarre, but it's actually a really fun watch just to soak up the '90s again. The hair, the clothes, it's the. <laughs> The going to the tattoo parlor and getting tattoo flash off the wall. It's, yeah. <laughs> just trust me. It's it's worth revisiting just to go down that nostalgic trip. 
It is, because I think Wild Things, I got so nostalgic while watching Wild Things again, because I don't think I had seen it since it, the movie came out. But yeah, Poison Ivy is a very similar feel. I mean, yes, there's things with, that happen in that movie that, because I, I remember this was a big sleepover movie. I like, always oh, watching friggin' Poison Ivy. Um, and Drew Barrymore at that time, I think, was kind of what you secretly aspire to be, but you know you should. You should be more the, was it Melissa, Melissa Milano? is uh sarah gilbert sarah gilbert sorry um sarah gilbert you should be her but then you just watch drew just being a kind of seemingly the coolest and then you realize hmm at like 13 i shouldn't really be aspiring to that at all um but yeah no this that is an amazing amazing trailer mike have you seen poison ivy so i yeah i'm actually a pretty big fan of the entire poison ivy series hmm. um oh. so, so first of all the first one is directed by cat shay who it is cat, yes cat shay never fucking misses mm. like strip mm. to kill strip to kill two like cat shay just never fucking mm. misses. um but i love that the movie really plays on the whole drew barrymore ness of it yes and then the second one we get it playing on the whole Alyssa Milano ness of mm. it, uh, and, and then the third one. The third one's actually my favorite because this is a thirsty episode. I adore, I just am, have been for years obsessed with Jamie Presley, and uh, and so the third one we get Jamie Presley in it. But you know they all hit the notes uh, of sort of these erotic thrillers. But I like that they tweak them and they play with them and. The first one is no question the best one because again it's the there's the cat shayness of it she knows what she's doing she's literally using drew barrymore you know all those things we kind of talked about with knock knock of how do we how are we supposed to fill and wrestling with this whole idea of being an attraction to youth and stuff like that like cat shay ain't no dummy she's no fucking using gertie from et to like smack you in the face with yeah. those things. yes and it no it's amazing i i love poison ivy it's carmelita just absolutely brilliant trailer brilliant pick absolutely um brilliant and i do love um to the cat shay um and also yeah i've been stripped to kill is so good again a movie that she knows exactly what she's directing and um how those stripper sequences are so imaginative and amazing i'm just like i'm strip clubs are not like this but i want to go to that one that one just looks like art <laughs> it's incredible um right for my trailer i am actually screw it i'm just gonna stay in the 90s and i'm gonna go basic because it's basic instinct from 1992 it's the ultimate nice. 90s erotic thriller i was gonna i could go imaginative but i'm gonna keep with the 90s so we got 31 stab wounds or was it ice pick i'd like to speak to him miss Catherine tremell please is she a suspect she's a writer she published a novel it's about a retired rock and roll star who gets murdered by his girlfriend you know how she does the boyfriend with an ice pick she intended the book to be her alibi you didn't feel anything for him you just had sex with him for your book in the beginning he gave me a lot of pleasure you like playing games games are fun what's your new book about a detective he falls for the wrong woman what happens she kills him how's it feel to kill someone you tell me Seduces people. 
people. She manipulates people. She's evil. That was my that was my backup after the last seduction. So yeah, yeah. you we're all on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basic. I remember watching Basic Instinct a couple of years ago and just being blown away. Um, just because back in the nineties, this movie had all kinds of stuff around it just because it's um sharon stone seeing up a dress and just the the whole horniness and ar- um aerobatic sex around this movie you know the fuck of the century kind of thing and to actually sit down and just watch it as a movie you're just like oh god poor verhoven you're just you you're the king you are the king i mean this with benedetta and everything else i'm just like yes you i think mike you said it. it's like you're watching it goes yes this poor verhoven he knows how to make a movie <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. It, it was one of those. I, I don't typically like. I was telling. It was when I was talking to Matt on Film mm, Feast. Yeah. Because um, I was like, you know, I don't normally like the whole like, oh, this is what a real movie looks like, mm. and and I kind of turn my nose up at that because it's just Twitter bullshit. And then I watched Benedetta, and I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> this is what a real movie looks like. <laughs> like this is what a real director can do. <laughs> Yes. When you give him a little bit of time and resources. Yes. Actually, speaking of Benedetta, have you, Kamala, have you seen it, seen it yet? I have, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if and you were a bit iffy on it or not. <laughs> I was iffy on it, which was a huge, huge surprise to me. Yeah. I was not expecting to not absolutely love it. Mm. I need to rewatch it. Because when the credits roll, I'm just like, I I was confounded. Like, I didn't feel strongly in either direction. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Something just didn't take a hold of me with that film. Mm. And I, I need to revisit it and see if I get hotter or colder on it mm. or if I can pinpoint what exactly it is yeah because you won me the reaction yeah because one you're a huge verhoven um gal and two you uh this would i thought this would have been right up your alley just in terms yeah. of the religion the sex the the everything that's sort of happening in that movie yes, but benedetta all is of those things. all those things nuns it's but it's kind of um it is very much the movie you think it's going to be but not the movie you think it's going to be. It's, it is a bit of a weird, it took me a bit to get into it um, with his basic instinct is exactly the movie you think it's going to be, but just more of it, um, which is kind of why I love it. It's such got this heightened thing where everything's, it feels like it's electricity. Um, and yeah, Benedetta is yeah. a very different movie. It does, it, it's a little bit softer for him, which is unusual from, yeah. Well, and maybe so, that's what it, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Sorry, Mike. You know, no, yeah, you're fine. Uh, two two things. Um, I'm trying to not be the dude who talks over everybody, so please feel free to tell me to <laughs> shut up. I'm talking too much. Um, two things about kind of Basic Instinct and Benedetta. Uh, first, Benedetta is almost the anti-knock-knock in that Eli Roth's unwillingness to take a point of view hurts that movie. Mm. Verhoeven's refusal to take a point of view is one of the things I loved about Benedetta. The idea that um, Benedetta might either she it's just as likely that she is the voice of God or a complete and utter con artist is what I really loved about that movie. But again, 
Eli Roth ain't no Paul Verhoeven, right? Like, no, so, not even close. No. <laughs> and the other no thing with basic with Basic Instinct is, you know, we were talking about who better than Keanu, who could be better. Fucking Michael Douglas, ten years ago or twenty years ago, mm. would have been the perfect star of Knock Knock. Oh my right? God! Yes, yeah. No, he had a career out of playing. Uh, you didn't even like him on screen, but he was just captivating. He was that kind of guy that he played these skeezy, horrible kind of um, characters. And you didn't necessarily always root for him, um, but you couldn't take your eyes off him, like Fatal Attraction um, or all those kinds of movies. You were like, yeah, you're not a good person, but I'm not going to stop watching you. And that is him in um, Basic Instinct. I mean, I love the fact that he's a terrible cop. Like, Paul Verhoeven doesn't even try to pretend that this guy is actually good at his job. He's like, no, he's a coke fiend who's keeps shooting people by accident. He's terrible. And um, oh, I can't remember the character's name Sharon Stone plays. She is going to play him like a guitar. She is just going to... And the fact that she does not murder him at the end of the movie does not mean she is not going to murder him. And it is just chef's kiss. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now to get into a movie that um, <laughs> I forgot how much I love this movie, especially how McNaughton deals with um, tone. And that is, of course, Wild Things. Welcome to the town of Blue Bay. Hi, Mr. Lombardo. Hey, girls. So where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? Where innocence can seduce. He started rubbing my shoulders. Accusations can destroy. I'm innocent. You guys do sex crimes, right? When was this that Sam Lombardo gave you the ride? Did Sam Lombardo rape you? Yeah, okay, he did. He pushed me to the floor. And appearances can deceive. Kelly said that we should do this to hurt Mr. Lombardo. She found out that Mr. Lombardo was in love with her mom, and that was it. You! Stay you know how my mom's paying you off? She's breaking my trust. We bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Now they're getting away with $8 million of Sandra Van Ryan's money. You want my gut? There's more to this story than you know. Um, now, we all would have been going old enough to go see this and go to the movies when this came out. Do you remember the buzz around this movie, uh, Carmelita? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was huge. And I I did not see it in the theater because I don't... I think because of the hype, I was a little, I was a little like, oh, I don't know if it's going to live up to the hype. And mm -hmm. then, you know, once some people had seen it, and then, you know, you had all the talk about the notorious threesome scene yes and and then you know the the two women in a pool scene like mm. so so then that was built up and i think we ended up renting it and that was how i ended up seeing it but i already kind of knew i knew what people wanted me to expect but there is so much more to this movie than just like hot sex scenes. There really is. There's a lot more to it. Yeah, it's like- I appreciate now in subsequent viewings. Yes, there is, it's definitely got the Benedetta thing. It's the movie you think it's exact, it's exactly the movie you think it is, but at the same time, it's nothing like um, you think it is. Mike, um, so you obviously remember the hype around this movie just because you know, the, the sex, the threesomes, 
all that kind of thing. Um, so were you there first night? Because <laughs> I was. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so it's it's really funny. I um, you know, I, people that follow me know I was born and grew up and still live in Utah. Mm. The home oh yes, Mormon. I was going to say. How did they? You don't like sex or drinking or drugs or anything fun and, and this is what this movie yeah. is yeah so um, i'm talking of you now <laughs> i went and saw this with my mormon friend who's the one that wanted to see it now he's a he was a he's a pretty liberal mormon mm. but he, he he's like it was kind of that like kiss I, at this point you know this came out in in 98 i would have been 21 mm. uh i mean i had discovered porn 10 years ago right so like right. i i mm. was like whatever but my mormon friend could not watch porn or buy porn or that so for oh, him, him. This, oh. this was a really exciting thing because he was old <laughs> enough he could, he wasn't under his parents thumb he could go see a movie uh and so he was very excited and so i'm like sure like whatever i like nev campbell i watched party of five i was very excited i like kevin bacon i like matt Dillon, um and i was absolutely thrown for the twisty turny fucking agatha christie ass film noir that we mm. got like sure yeah. i got i got i got titties and i got sex in pools and threesomes and whatever and i'm sitting there like what the fuck is happening here like this is holy shit this movie has no right to go as hard as it does on this twisty turny noir shit like i i just wanted a titty movie and i'm getting now the fucking <laughs> usual suspects totally. um, yeah yeah, like, yeah it really it really was something to be honest with you yeah because i know we got this movie a little bit after in the states i was about 17 when um I saw this um, and yeah, we'd heard the same thing that, you know, Denise Richards gets naked a lot. There's threesomes and there was even a hint of bacon um, dick in this, um, which I think, which is why me and my friends were more excited about this than anything else. I was going to say, there ain't a hit. He's, <laughs> he's a whole hog. Like, whole hog. That's what I heard. And then we were like, whoa, there it is. Um, and you're watching it and I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. This movie has no right being as good as it is. And Carmelita says, yeah, there's so much more going on. And yes, it is so friggin' twisty and Agatha Christie. Um, like I watching it at the beginning, I completely forgot about the threesome. So when you see um, them in the hotel room, I'm like, what the fuck? They were just, I, you, what? Um, even in the courtroom scene, when you find out that they are making, they didn't make it up. He did not sexually assault and, um, Kelly and it's all this kind of thing and jaw constantly on the floors and it every twist works that ending should not work that ending should be just oh, roll your eyes what a hell she does not come back from the dead oh Niv Campbell came back from the dead that fucking works because this is this is what this movie does and I love it <laughs> well talk about casting right yes Matt Dillon oh <laughs> Matt Dillon he does the thing in this that that Mike brought up Keanu does isn't able to do for knock knock yes Matt Dillon in the beginning of this film as Sam Lombardo 
he seems to be playing it very cautious and professional with his students like friendly with them but like he won't be in the car alone yep there's boundaries yeah denise richard he has boundaries like he's playing it safe but because it's matt dylan there's always that feeling like you know because he has that 80s heartthrob thing but he kind of has that chip on his shoulder kind of a little bit of an asshole vibe yep, yep. so even when really? he's saying all the right things i totally buy that underneath sam lombardo thinks he's the mutt's nuts and there's something there's something that we're not getting in the beginning that's seething underneath and when we finally get the reveal in the hotel room once they've got the money you're like oh there he is yes Hello, Sam Lombardo. It, it works great, too, because like you said, Carmelita, he's got that 80s heartthrob vibe. But, you know, again, us olds, remember, he became an 80s heartthrob playing the bad boy. Like, mm, that was yes. Matt Dillon's entire thing. He was the James Dean of the 80s. And so, yeah, when you're seeing him being this kind, compassionate person, it's like, ah, I don't fucking trust you for a second. Know. Yeah, it's like Kevin Bacon as well. I mean, he, I mean, yes, he's the lovable bad boy, like in Footloose, but then Kevin Bacon started playing the bad boy. And so when he's meant to be playing good cop, you're like, are you though? Really? No. And then you find out, no, he's not. And you're like, well, that makes sense. It's Kevin Bacon. Um, So I think the casting in this movie works perfectly. Um, Every, all across the board. All the casting completely works. Um, I love the fact that Teresa Russell plays um, uh, the mother. I love the yeah. fact that Bill, I, I forgot that Bill Murray was in this movie. And when he showed up <laughs> with a friggin' neck brace, I was just like going, oh my God, yes, this movie. Um, he's amazing. Like, he's kind of like um, the little imp who's just kind of already knows what's happening with everything. And is just kind of smiling. But when he takes off his neck brace at the end of the trial and just throws it on the table, I'm just like, that is why we love Bill Murray. <laughs> It's yeah, all the all the casting works. You have all these conceived notions about who these characters are, and they surprise you each and every single time. No, most definitely. But, I think it's it's really like you mentioned the usual suspects, and it's like Nev Campbell because of her some of the other things she's doing in the nineties. Mm. Like you get that, like yeah, I could see her being kind of your average girl who and I kind of buy like okay yeah after the craft that she's a troubled she could play the troubled girl but she's not evil mm. and then as the movie on you know but she always has an intelligence about her too yes so I I so it's not hard to believe once we finally get the ultimate reveal of all the double cross triple cross and when we finally see how this thing actually went down behind the scenes, that she's Kaiser Soze. Yeah, I love that so much. Because she's Sydney Prescott. It's, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's, she's freaking Sydney Prescott. So um, I'm sort of watching it, and she's kind of playing it. She can't, even though she's playing it dumb for most of the movie, she can't hide that Nev Campbell intelligence. Um, so you kind of. And the fact that when you get those post credit scenes, it's amazing. And again, should not work, but it is seeing her work behind the scenes and you're just like going, yes, this just, this, this movie works when it should not work. I don't, under I mean, I'm, I'm putting all the praise on John McNaughton uh, actually, because I looked up the uh, Peter Stevens or Stephen Peters who wrote it and 
no, this is John McNaughton, the man who made uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. The man understands tone. Um, and he does with this movie. Uh, Mike, um, how did you feel about especially Nev Campbell and Denise Richards as casting for the, the yeah, two no, wild things? Is, <laughs> this is a great double, and I didn't, you know, it, it seemed like a great double at the time, but mm. it's, as we talk about, as often happens on this show, it's an even better double now, yeah. because not to harp on her again, but this movie is a perfect example of my problems with Anna Diarmas because mm. Anna Diarmas is Denise Richards and they keep casting her like she's Nev Campbell. And, and that's the thing. Nev Campbell in this, like Nev Campbell, this is, this is the pinnacle of Nev Campbell's kind of career because mm. she's, Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course, I have a gun. Gun. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and we're two yeah. years. We're two years removed from that. She's still. I can't remember. I think she's still on Party of Five at this point. But the whole thing with her is she is this stunningly attractive woman who is. There's always more going on underneath. There's yes, yeah, always something going on with her. And that plays into this so well because you immediately, if you're familiar with her, you immediately buy her as the poor white trash girl who is just this victim and all of this sort of stuff. So you buy that. You buy in wholeheartedly to that mm. art. And then when we get to the reveals, you're like, oh. Yeah, I buy that too. Yeah. I buy that. I buy yeah. that. I 100% buy that she's the smartest person in this movie. I love it and, so much. <laughs> you know, it, it, and so it treads, trades so well on what we know Nev Campbell is. But even if you don't know anything about Nev Campbell, she's so terrific at playing those. It, it's my, it is kind of like my favorite type of noir or heist movie or however you want to describe it, where you get to the end and you get the reveal and you're like, you know, I want to call bullshit because you didn't give me enough to figure this out, but you also kind of did. Yeah. And it all fits. Everything makes sense. It's, it's, you just have a character that's that fucking smart and uh man and and yeah Lindsay, you said it john mcnaughton just a brilliant director perfect director for this because he brings the right amount of sleaze and sexiness to it mm. without it getting too gross um you know, there's a couple of scenes that I think maybe didn't. And I, I don't know. Did you guys watch the theatrical or the extended version? I think it was the theatrical because I watched it streaming. So I don't think it was the unrated. Same. So, yeah. So I watched the extended version, which is about 10 minutes longer. And other than a little bit more titties, I, I actually think the theatrical version is a little better. Uh, it's This was a little flabby. But nonetheless, just a brilliant director who absolutely knows how to balance i'm gonna make this just sleazy enough to bring the the pervs in but then i'm going <laughs> to make it a absolute stone cold classic of twisty film noir it really is because i love how the movie changes it does that thing in psycho where you're in a different movie every 30 minutes like the first one is a definite uh tv movie of the week 
um, because it is about a young girl. I mean, though, did anyone notice when um, Matt Dillon's writing sex and then crimes? Crimes is like way smaller than sex. <laughs> um, so that doesn't give you a clue what this movie's going to be then. Um, but yeah, it's um, this kind of TV movie of the week of this you know uh, girl who's been attacked and she has to prove that her teacher's the worst. Um, and then it turns into a Skinamax kind of movie when they're the threesome in the hotel. And then it just keeps changing because then Kevin Bacon gets a bigger role. Because even at the time, I remember going, oh, Kevin Bacon got feels like he's got a small role. Oh, no, no, he doesn't. He We're just waiting for his part in the, in the whole conspiracy thing to actually come to light. And that, the fact that it kind of teases you every single time... Um, about each character, like when Matt Dillon goes, I don't fuck my students, and you're like, well, yes, you do. <laughs> or um, yeah. when they're talking about the shooting that kind of is the inciting incident of the whole movie, um, they're like, oh, that was a good shoot, and then you find out, no, it wasn't. Um, it's it's kind of does those things where it just c- directly contradicts what you've been told, but you never feel cheated because, as Mike said, the movie doesn't give you that information at the time, but when it's revealed, it suddenly makes sense. Um, like, I love how all the crocodile inserts now i'm not usually the biggest fan of this i know kamalita is one of you're an oliver stone and he loves to do that sometimes it works in say a natural born killers sometimes it's weird like in even given sunday i'm like why am i watching tigers fight um i get it's football but stone come on weird Um, weird um but in this movie because this is such a florida movie this is all skeezy and the fact that there are alligators not crocodiles alligators everywhere um makes perfect sense because these what these characters are they're in the swamp it's humid it's sticky no one's wearing any clothes but everyone's after one another and it feels so animalistic and great that i'm not i don't care that i wasn't given pieces of pieces of information that i was literally being lied to and to the point where i'm not um i love it (laughs) well i one of the things that i really enjoy about this film the kind of the more that goes beyond just the sexual stuff in this film yeah the class consciousness of this film yes and the power dynamics in this film Mm. you know and right from the gate when we were we're it's panning over these landscapes and we see the swamp and with swamp i immediately think rural community there's going to be people who are working class or working poor. Mm-hmm. And we, we slowly go into Blue Bay and now we're seeing the high rises and we see the school campus is clearly like a really like, people with money live here. Yes. So we're all already setting up that there's gonna be the haves and the have nots mm. and the power dynamics between these people. And you have the power dynamics between a teacher and student and and there's all there's an interesting thing too that I noticed this last watch about the um, is it a is Detective Bettis? Mm. Oh yes, Daphne uh, Daphne Rubenzega. Yes, Vega. Yeah, she does not believe Denise Richards' character. Oh no, she from the beginning she's go she's acting. From yeah, the beginning. Yeah, but she does really quickly sign on with Susie Toller's story and mm. get that she's she seems to have more of an affinity for the the people the kind of the common people of this yes. community she's she's immediately suspicious of 
the rich and powerful and just all of those all these little intricacies of the power dynamics and and class distinctions that I think is really interesting about it's this film. It's really smart. Every single establishment that you see in Blue Bay is corrupt. The 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 school, the education system because of Sam Lobato and the cops because of Kevin Bacon. Um they are just corrupt and I love Daphne's performance especially when she's in the hotel room with Sam Lobato, Matt Dillon, and she clearly is like I could do this even I could kiss him, I could fuck him. I know this would be a mistake, but it's Matt Dillon being incredibly chiseled and incredibly attractive sitting in front of me and do I do it or do I don't? And the look on her face is just perfect. Because you're right, it is about those class distinctions. It's always reminding you about that. It's always reminding you who has power, who doesn't have power. And the fact that the whole thing is Nev Campbell actually screwing over all these assholes. It's kind of a chair moment because you're like going, yes, it is someone taking on this very corrupt thing and actually winning. Um, she gets all the money. That It's hers. I mean, yeah, she probably give Bill, she probably gave um, Bill Murray a fee, but it's she doesn't have to share this with anybody. They're all greedy, um, but you feel Dev Campbell deserves it more than anyone else. And they've all underestimated her. Yes. Their peril. Exactly. Even Matt Dillon. And when you find out what the behind the scenes, you're like, why did you? You shouldn't have underestimated. Actually, he doesn't. The scene with her when he's drinking the um, drink she made, and he's really nervous, and because it is actually she is poisoning him. So he, he, I don't yeah. think he completely does, but um, no, every every character interaction is is amazing. Um, Mike, what are some of your favorite character interactions in this movie? Well, so first, musical nerds got a shout out Daphne Rubin Vega, yes, originating Mimi in Rent. She is the original Mimi. Uh-huh. Yes, she uh, is. Yep, and and. Uh, as great as Rosario Dawson is in the Chris Columbus movie, it was utter bullshit that she was the one uh, original character that they, or the one original actor that they didn't bring back. Yeah. Um, Carmelita, I love, I love what you said because Perez is also the one person who uh, Susie doesn't fuck over. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, She's the one that comes out of this unscathed for the most part, uh, because I, I do think that class, man, that that class warfare component of this. And this is where this movie is so well done, because mm. it, it just sneaked so much shit underneath the, hey, threesome titties, have fun. Yes. You know, like it, it there's so much more going on here. Um, I I still my favorite in this is Kevin Bacon. Kevin <sighs> Bacon going full like sleaze, like righteously indignant initially, but you can still tell he's an asshole to then full sleaze is just ah, uh, it's a it's a beautiful Kevin Bacon performance. It really is and yeah, because you can, again, it works the same thing with um, Matt Dillon, is that, yes, he is being, he's saying all the right things, but you can tell there's something else going on. And the same there's with, something. It, there's something, especially when he has the conversation with the other kid who Matt Dillon's been teaching to sail. And he knows a very specific piece of information about him, like he's not necessarily what you think he is. Um, and he's really bitter about it, which is why I no this movie didn't show it because it was 98 if it was made now those two would completely be fucking and it would be amazing um but 
um, there's this kind of bitterness he has toward everything. And you can see it just, I mean, I love Kevin Bacon. I think every time he shows up in a movie, I'm always happy to see him because I know he's going to do something really interesting and really dark and really motivated. And he he brings it to this. Um, I know when he said he first read the script, it was the sleaziest thing he'd ever read. And then he goes, I want to totally do this. And he ended up producing it as well. And yeah, because this thing... Yes, I think Knock Knock moves, but I do think it does linger on certain things to make you uncomfortable. This movie moves. You don't necessarily get a chance to think about the class warfare because everything is show, don't tell. This movie doesn't necessarily have Nev Campbell going, oh, well, to Kelly, you had everything, I had nothing. You just can tell with the power dynamics between the two and the fact that Nev is letting Kelly think she's in charge. Um, But it's when she's clearly not. um, And... Well, actually, you do believe that for a minute, that she's kind of the richer one, so therefore she's the one in control. But, yeah, this is why I love this movie. But, yeah, it does all... I've gotten off on a weird tangent, but, yes, I love this movie, and those are the reasons why. I can't remember what I just said. <laughs> no, Kevin Bacon is awesome, and he... Yes. I think the reveal that he's in on it is one of my favorites because, like, you know... I okay i mean this is just a personal thing mm-hmm. I, i'm always suspicious of the cops so <laughs> so it's it's not i don't it's like i don't i don't see his detective character as being a good guy necessarily mm. but i'm kind of thinking you know he's just like he's just like a cop yeah and but they take it that step further that he's actually in on it and then i'm like oh shit really yeah the first time it was like oh wow i didn't i didn't quite see it coming like i believe that this i mean i could see this guy being corrupt and being not a very good cop but i didn't i didn't see it coming that he was actually that involved no him in the shower is one of the best reveals ever i did not see that coming i mean the movie does a sting every single time something literally happens. but um literally that's reveals. <laughs> yes he reveals there's more than one reveal in that in that shower scene um and it's it's glorious almost like god bless you bacon um that it's but yeah it is kind of the one reveal that you're just like holy shit is like that is the one that you don't see coming and that is kind of the, and he's just like there and you're just like holy shit <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah it's it's so well done. Um, every single reveal of in the hotel room when Sam Lombard is in the hotel room, then Kelly comes out, and then they start making out, and then all of a sudden Nev Campbell strolls in, and you're just like, what the f- What is happening? <laughs> well, and what I love, again, it's another perfect example of how this movie plays on our expectations because mm. it really set up Ray Duquette as sort of this, you know, he's 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 a cop who doesn't play by the rules, but he's always going to get his man kind of right. character. Mm. And, and so it, it really does, you know, it requires you to buy into that and then twist it to be like, yeah, the, the, the cop who breaks the rules to get his man is also easily corrupted and easily bought off. And it yes. turns out that, yeah, in fact, he's in on it. Um, there's there's just so much going on in this movie that that really, you know, it again, I think the movie would have made a lot more money. I mean, it was a decent success, but mm. in, in 
probably brilliant that they just, hey, you want to see Nev Campbell in it this time? Nobody knew who Denise Richards was. You want to see Nev Campbell and this hot chick make out in a pool? Come watch this movie. But God, it's got no business being this smart. No, it really doesn't. And it is really smart. Like, I was kind of sort of focused watching Denise Richards in it because I like Denise Richards. I think she can do, I think when she's used well, she's really good in the movie. So like this little Starship, starship Troopers, bleh. sorry, going back to Paul Verhoeven again. Um, but it's this kind of thing where she has this confidence of a 18 year old who is that hot. Um, and she thinks that she can't really be hurt. I mean, the fact that she's willing to go along with um, this plot of accusing a teacher of sexual assault and to then to afterward knowing that she's going to be fine, even though there's a threat of her going to send in lawyers. I think it's, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, the plays the family lawyer, um, Robert Wagner saying, I'm going to have to do all I can to keep her out of prison. These Richards ain't going to prison. She's, it's whatever. She has that confidence of only someone as hot as her and wealthy as her. And a, being 18, thinking that she's invincible, and then to have what happens to her happen at the end is kind of surprising again. It's one of those things like, oh, shit, I didn't expect her to get killed off. Actually killed off in this. Um, I think she's actually the first character to actually die properly in this movie. Um... And it's, yeah, but her she's used, she, she's really good in this. Again, just because of that confidence of like, yeah, no one can touch me. I have good boobs. And you know it. And you're like, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's used well. Um, Kamalita, what do you think of Denise Richards in this? No, I agree. I think she's she's used to good effect. Mm. And, and she, <laughs> she, I mean, she brings it. You want the, yeah, the spoiled rich girl who's too good looking for her own good and mm. too rich for her own good, who also, I, I like that we, we get to see a little bit about her family life. Yeah. So you can see that, like, there's reasons on top of her arrogance mm. and her privilege She's also got the wound, you know what I mean? Her father's dead. Her mother's completely checked out doing her yeah. own thing. Mm. Like no one gives two shits about this girl. Not really. Mm. Not beyond how she looks and beyond her checkbook or the promise of her trust fund. So yeah, she gives a great performance, I think. And I, and I buy it. Like I, I buy that she would fall in with this plot because she thinks she can get away with it mm. because she wants that money. She's resentful at her mother. Like there's all these little nuances, I think to the character and Denise Richards manages to convey all of that. No, I love, yes, no, I do love the relationship between her and Teresa Russell because yeah, I mean, the way they talk about her father's suicide is one hilarious and two that actually gives depth to her character. Cause yeah, no one cares about this kid. Um, and all them, and literally when people look at her, including Nev Campbell, they see her trust fund. Um, and again, it just goes back to that class distinction in the movie. And um, you're the one, she's kind of the one I feel sorry for in this. Because I think she was duped right from the beginning and was given a sense of power with it that she never had and was never going to have and was never going to end well for her. Um, Mike, what do you think of Denise Richards in this movie? I think... I think she's, she's, I mean, she's perfectly cast in mm. this. Uh, and I also think you look, 
I have talked as much shit about Denise Richards as anybody. Um, and I feel really bad about it. I think, uh, I think she's due for a sort of Megan Fox reevaluation because when in the right role, she's terrific. I, I think the biggest problem is she, she's so badly used in that bond movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, that it just kind of and then she married charlie sheen and mm. uh, all the the yeah. drama but you know i've seen her in in some comedies i want to say she was in friends at one point for like one episode and she mm. was absolutely hilarious um i i think she's more talented than she's given credit for i will actually say i think verhoven Verhoeven intentionally misuses her in Starship Troopers, but again, as somebody who's like, is Denise Richards actually good or not? The way she's used in Starship Troopers is not great for that purpose, right? Mm, right. She's just the smiling, like, idiot for most of that movie. But I, she's giving Verhoeven the performance that that he wants. Again, one of those movies that when I saw it in '98 thought it was atrocious and have now realized what the movie actually is but mm. uh, i think she's perfect in this i mean i honestly literally cannot picture anybody else in this role because she's the right mix of i mean because she has to be smoking hot yes but yes. She, she also has to have again going back to the sort of the Anna, Anna de Armas problem that I have she's also got to have that edge she's you've got to buy her as a mean girl yeah and, and Denise Richards can really she can really sell the mean girl uh, aspect of this and and yeah I, I literally cannot picture anybody else in the role no and there's you're talking about timing there's that one line when after she thinks uh Sam Lombardo has killed Susie and they've got the bot they've got a they've got the body or a body in the back of the um of the back of the car and i think i don't remember what sam says um he goes are you okay do you think oh my and all she says is my mom's gonna kill me that i took the um buick or something and it's just this perfect line of range rover oh the range rover my mom's gonna kill me i took the range rover out and that's all she kind of said so yeah there's a little bit of um sociopathic she's a little bit of a sociopath because I don't think even though she feels scared in the moment when it's done, she really does not care about Susie all that much. Um, and that's the one reaction to um, him just killing someone is just one of the funniest moments in the movie. Just the way she delivers that line is, is, is pure gold. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, and, and two, like the pool scene. I mean, everyone's going to remember it for obvious reasons but yes. there's like a cool thing she does where for a second they're fighting mm. and she's and Susie I I suspect <laughs> it's not too hard to to imagine that Susie could have fought back more yeah but she wants for Denise Richards character to think that she's, she's control. so scared and so helpless yes you know and, and let her take control and think she's in control mm. but there's a cool thing where you know, she's, she's beating up Susie and then, and then she kind of sees how just broken up Nev Campbell looks and she kind of starts to do this kind of mothering thing almost. Yeah, she does. Yeah. And then it turns into making out. There's just, 
there's kind of a subtle transition it works really well. It's, it's almost seamless. It really does. Cause I was watching it this time. Cause I knew kind of where it was going to end up. And when she's kind of drowning her in the pool, I was like, wow, Susie's really going to have to either fight back at some point. If she actually going to kill her or she knows that at some point, if she plays helpless enough that the mean girl will just kind of go, well, this is no fun. I'm just going to, um, uh, this is no fun. She's not reacting. So I'm just going to go for the yeah. mothering thing. Um, which is such a clever way of doing it. And then it turns into the, into the making out. Um, but I remember when I was first watching it back in the time, I was like, oh, Denise Richards is getting naked. Nev Campbell didn't want to, obviously it was, pro it was probably a bit of that as well, but it fits her character. Cause if she's the one that's orchestrating all this, you kind of get the suspicion that she's looking back. She's probably not as involved in the relationship between Sam and Kelly as you're led to believe on screen and i think the fact that she is kind of you do not see nev's boobs kind of fits really well when you're looking back at the movie as a whole i mean if this was any other movie both of them would have maybe gotten naked or that kind of thing but um it i think it really works just because you just because you now know what she's doing you're like ah she's just playing her completely <laughs> Well, and she's also not going to be the one to make herself vulnerable enough exactly right? like, yes right. so we we don't we don't see the full threesome, but it, it is kind of, yeah, it reinforces this idea of like, I'm, I'm not letting, you know, you're all letting your walls down around me. Mm. I ain't letting shit down yes. around all of yeah. you. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so again, knowing that it's a movie and watching it with that eye, it, it's a really clever sort of visual language to deal with the fact that you have one actress who refused to do nudity and one actress who was willing to. Mm. And I actually just saw Kevin Bacon had a no nudity clause. And then he told McNaughton just to use whatever shot is best. And it's the one where he had his hog out. So I <laughs> don't love you, Kevin Bacon. Like you, you, you tried to avoid it, but then you're like, yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Fuck it. He's yeah. a national treasure. He is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, I've, really seen, is. I've seen Color of Night with Bruce Willis. And let me tell you something. If I was Bruce Willis, I would not have hung hog in that movie because uh, it's unimpressive. But if I was Kevin Bacon, I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm just I'm hanging dong every chance I get. I'm so. surprised he doesn't, because when you realize how it's hanging, it's um, you're like, whoa, bacon. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, you see Bruce Willis, and it's because when you're a teenager, you you Dong was not as prevalent in the '90s. Even now, they're trying to bring it back, but it's, it's not like it's still not. It's, it's still, still not. not. There's the glory days of the '80, like an '80 and '81, where it was a like '79, that through two or three year thing where there was a lot of it. I mean, every guy was expected to to hang out. They're trying to bring it back, but they're not doing it properly. I'm like, come on, guys. Women have been naked for decades upon decades on film. You need to just let go. And, but yeah, if I was Kevin Bacon, I'd be a little bit more comfortable doing it. Like, if you look, if I look like Denise Richards, I would be, like, parading naked around all the time. Um, it is actually going, I just saw X, um, the new Ty West movie, which is all about that, actually. Um, not enough dong. I will say it could have used a bit more dong, um, but maybe Kid Cudi just didn't want to do it um but it is kind of all about that thing of yeah i look like mia goth yeah i'm gonna get naked um kind of thing and it is kind of glorious and this movie does it to a certain extent as well these people have never looked as good as they have in this movie and i was just looking at matt dylan and i'm not usually a big matt dylan guy going whew 
Matt Dillon. He's just, he's just that perfect amount of chisel and that T-shirt he's wearing, which is why it's on the poster. You're like, hello. <laughs> and, and also, he is very good in the movie. I'm not just, like, being thirsty for Matt Dillon. But he is very attractive in this movie. This oh, yeah. The well, the movie's though. inviting you. Yeah. Yeah, it exactly is. Yeah, yeah, it's meant to me going, oh, Matt Dillon, hello, even though you possibly you are the scummiest person on the planet, but he's, oh, my God. <laughs> and let me just say I appreciate that because mm. it's, you know, I mean, there's plenty of instances of movies where the female sex pot, all the women are attractive, ridiculously so, super yes. sexy. Yes. And then the male characters, not so much. Mm. Because, you know, there's this, especially back in the day, mm. a lot in the 70s and the early 80s. Like, yes. That kind of disparity of you know, the female who has to be sexy and the men who gives a shit. Yes. And you can be as hairy as you want. Gives, <laughs> yes. This movie gives everybody a little something regardless of mm. your orientation or preference. Exactly. There is someone here for you. Yes. Which is kind of why I like, I do, even back in the day, I saw the implication that Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon were together just because the way that the reveal of Kevin Bacon's just naked in the shower. Yeah. Um, I was went, oh, those two are having sex, are they? Even though, because it was 98, they may, they couldn't go there. They could go with the two girls kissing, but they couldn't go with the two guys kissing. Which I think this movie would have been even better if you had that, if they just went completely thing and went, you know what? Everyone's growing. Um, because you do, and that movie does have that feel to it. Which I appreciate, yeah. because you don't see that in a lot of movies. It's You don't really see the free-for-all that this kind of movie kind of has boiling in the background. Which is so ridiculous because here's the thing. Mm. Hot people fuck. Yes. And, and there is, I'm sorry, there's real joy in watching hot people fucking. Mm. And so like. That is me, what X is all about. It is an enjoyment yeah. of watching hot people fucking. That is that movie. Give me, <laughs> give me the hot people doing the fucking. And, yes. and wild things within the parameters of yes, because I agree. Like, I'm sorry, the, the the vibes that Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon have are just radiating off that screen. Right. Yeah. And it would have been nice if they could have actually like made that the text in, cause I don't, I don't question for a second. That is intentional subtext. McNaughton, oh, yeah. mm, yeah. McNaughton, Dylan and Bacon knew exactly what they were doing, but mm. um, yeah, just, I like, we we were there's nothing wrong with watching hot people fucking it's amazing yeah. the one thing i was gonna say though is the one problem and i am pro more dong in movies uh let me just say that i am pro more dong the one problem is if you're packing a pea shooter it's not very aesthetically pleasing hence Bruce willis and cover color of night yes uh, kevin bacon and people who look like that you can be the hottest person on the face of the earth and it still may not be a good decision to to drop hog mm. but uh fucking kevin bacon man kudos to you this is what friend. i'm saying yes. we need to see all shapes and sizes so that we can come to appreciate the variation in what is normal ah that is a very that's good my point pitch. yes that's my pitch so let's bring it out let's see it yeah you know yes. what you're right you're right carmelita just yeah fuck it more dong we don't more have dong. to have perfect dong no just just more more dong because not every not every pair of 
boobs is perfect and you know what we all love boobs yes everybody loves boobs no matter what the boob looks like it is always appreciated on screen so yes there's there's just a situation where you're like hey i'm still looking at a tit uh we have i have absolutely taken this to where i thought we were gonna get two hours ago (laughs) but nonetheless (laughs) <laughs> but yes, more dong. Hang the dong. Let, Hang the a, dong. let all the dong out. It may have been a better movie if Keanu had hung dong and knock knock. Who knows? <laughs> hmm. There's an argument to be made. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like schlubby Keanu in this movie. There's just moments where you're looking at him, like we win Resurrections, where he just looks tired. And I can imagine that man is just wakes up groaning in pain every morning for the stuff that he's had to do on screen like he's not i know he's not like a trained martial artist he's more of a he calls himself a um a movement actor he's all about this movement but he still has to put himself in positions where he's just getting up in the morning going i hurt every part of me hurts why did i do everything oh, yeah. i have and done at this <laughs> point he's in his he's in his 50s right yeah like, yeah he's almost back i think he's like 59 yeah. he's oh like my almost- yeah, it's almost him and Tom Cruise have to wake up just in pain every morning um, with the things that they do for us on screen. Um, and I mean, you've talked about this with Scott Atkins, the fact that he wakes up with multiple injuries and and he's actually someone who knows martial arts and, and does doesn't realize that gravity is a thing. And he so he probably he, he has said I wake up most mornings going, ow, um, but yeah, I think, how do we get on to, yeah, no, I like, but I do like a kind of a schlubbier, tireder Keanu Reeves on screen. I don't know why. I think he, I feel like it brings him down to my level where I'm like, yeah, you're at my level. I can see you're at my level. So then I can kind of understand you more being than the God that is Neo or um, John Wick. Um, but that's some, and then you watch wild things where these men are chiseled gods. They're assholes, but because this movie is all about, being horny and being smart and being everything else that this movie is, um, that you're just watching with a big smile on your face going, <laughs> I am so much having so much fun with this. And I love the fact that this movie is as horny as it is. Um, we don't get that enough of just really attractive people being horny and glowing like all these people do. I mean, Teresa Russell does. Um, Bill Murray has a glow because he's next to these people. And it is um, actually the best use of Bill Murray in a movie I have seen in uh, quite a while. <laughs> and it's just the right, right amount of Bill Murray-ness. It is, yes. It's not too over the top. Mm. It's just the right amount. Yes, it is. Yeah, he's used really well. He doesn't take over the movie, but he's there just to provide the... Bill, Bill Murrayness and it's just all his ticks and quirks and it just works. I mean, when he's um, uh, crossing um, Denise Richards on the stand, which has obviously been practiced to hell of how, or no, Nev Campbell, um, practiced to hell about how, when she's going to flip and when she's going to do all that. And the fact that, you know, Denise Richards starts throwing things at her is just, it's such a great courtroom scene. And his reaction is just to like pull off his, I think I've mentioned before, pull off his neck brace and just throw all pretense of whatever he's doing. It's, it's just the right amount. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, and it it also immediately lets you know that this very serious, very gross movie initially, uh, because like I'm sorry, any any way you slice it, uh, a high school teacher fucking a student or a student falsely accusing a high school teacher mm. of fucking her is gross and difficult. And Bill Murray's performance immediately lets you know. 
don't take any of this seriously. Like yes. nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like don't don't zero in on what you're seeing because you're you're missing the bigger picture. Because I yeah. remember the first time I saw it, I was like, "What the fuck is Bill Murray doing in this? This is like, <laughs> so weird." Yeah. And then and then you get to the end and you're like, "Oh." Oh, Bill Murray's like the movie. Like he's literally telling us what kind of movie we're watching. It's just McNaughton's so skillful at making you feel like it's this sleazy, gross exploitation movie. No, this is a wink, wink heist thriller almost. Uh, It Mm. just is covered in these trappings of all these things that you are uncomfortable with yeah especially the way that it is treating um sexual assault at the beginning which if i hadn't seen it if i was watching this now for the first time my first 15 minutes of this movie would be like oh what is happening why is it sexual assault being treated this way but the movie knows it's doing this this is not like um some tv movie of the week where it's kind of exploiting the notion of um, teacher-student abuse, or whichever way it's sort of going, whether she's a, a, a false conf- uh, false confession and she's um, framing him, or whether he actually is a predator, which he is in this movie, but it is, this movie knows exactly how it is, so when he's giving the whole speech at the beginning, and it's like, what is a sex crime? And the first thing you hear is this douchey bro going, not getting a, enough sex! It's kind of like this, oh, this is what this is, but it's so not because it will give you all these little clues um, just about how Dylan looks at someone or what he says, but then how he acts. It's a really nice performance. He's constantly saying the right thing, but just not acting like that at all. Or kind of the way um, he really hams up the whole I've been falsely accused kind of thing. It's, it's kind of masterful in a way that now I'd look at this kind of treatment and go, oh, that's a bit weird. But because the movie knows it's doing it, it has this completely different intent. Like the Bill Murray. It's like, what is Bill Murray doing in this movie of the week kind of feeling thing? And then you realize, oh, no, wait, this is what the movie is. It is just a really fun ride and it knows exactly how it's playing you. I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. it's there's all those little, all those little things that are that are letting you know yeah what this movie is really trying to do and it's it's one that i think rewatches it just gets better and better because you start looking for some of those little things earlier yes <laughs> and and that it's it's really fun to rewatch it and and look for all the subtleties. Yes, because it's when the twists happen, they are still gleefully amazing. Like the threesome yeah. in the hotel room, Kevin Bacon in the shower, Nev Campbell on the boat shooting Kevin Bacon with, oh my God. It's like, you're dead. Nope. <laughs> it's her in that blonde wig. Um, it's it's kind of incredible. And the fact that you realize that she's also been secretly learning how to, oh my God, it's, it's so, so great. Um, but yeah, those subtleties are there, but they're just always in the background and it works so, so well. Um, anything else either you want to say about wild things before we finish up? I will, I will just say, um, one thing I will say just for people listening, if you haven't seen it, um, my wife is a survivor and she, she did have some difficulty with this movie. Mm. Uh, particularly there's a scene where, uh, Bacon and Daphne Rubin Vega 
interrogate Nev Campbell when she says, and, and the way they interrogate her and the questions they ask her are, it's one of those times where the movie kind of loses a little bit of that sort of fun winking. Mm. Uh, so I will say just as we're saying it, you know, content warning, trigger warning, be aware of the movie that you're getting into. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, cause it did not work for her. She did. She, she like kind of objectively understood why people liked the movie, but mm. it did not work for her so i i do just want to let people know if you haven't seen it fair warning the movie does go hard on some nasty stuff yeah especially and i think for that i i completely agree and i complete someone who is a survivor watching this and going oh especially the beginning just it because it's laying on everything very very thick but there is that definite way of how they are interrogating kelly um denise richards and Susie neff campbell you can see the difference in how they are approaching the questions and how um, they treat a person who they have pre... I mean, yes, um, Vega definitely buys into Susie's story because she has more empathy for her, but you can sort of see everyone else just looking at her going, oh, you're white trash, you don't matter, so I'm just going to nail you with these questions to see if I can trip you up. Whether they don't do that with Denise Richards, they kind of take everything she says at face value a little more. And... Um, but yeah, when this movie wants to nail stuff home, and John McNaughton directed one of the most disturbing movies ever made, Henry, um, so he knows when to push that button to make you feel uncomfortable, and I think he is definitely doing it on purpose. So yeah, Mike is correct. This this does deal with some heavy stuff. No, it's a really important point, and really mm. important for for anyone who's watching it for the first time, or anyone who maybe hasn't seen it in twenty five years or mm. whatever. Yeah, God, is it going to be 25 years? I think it is, yeah, getting close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't watched this in a long time or if this is your first time, if these kind of topics or depictions, some of this stuff is triggering, yeah, you might experience that here. And hmm. that's that's a really important thing to know. Yeah. Um, but it is doing some very interesting stuff, but I can definitely see why kelsey watched this and went mm, yeah no not for me um because not every movie is for everyone um and yes this movie is hot but it does have that dark undercurrent to it which i really love actually personally that's just me um because there is that dark undercurrent of the alligators and the sleaziness and the manipulation and then but susie really coming up and going no screw you guys i'm gonna take all this money and i'm gonna sail into the sunset because all you are awful and this is a corrupt town and I need to get away from it. Um, the, I mean, the plot hinges on the fact that uh, we haven't even discussed that uh, Kevin Bacon shoots uh, a friend of Susie's and then arrests Susie because she saw it and because Sam Labada was too busy screwing Kelly, he was not there to bail her out and she had to spend six months in prison. Um, and that is the reason why that she is doing this thing and it sort of shows the dark corruption of how systems can work when you have people who are just well matt dillon and kevin bacon in, in seats of power <laughs> so well, yeah and, and i'm in am i misremembering this she's also the illegitimate daughter of kelly's dad right am i misremembering something or or is, was, isn't that 
I was going to ask because I couldn't quite remember why she was going after um, Kelly as well so hard. Like, I know, I, so maybe it was that. Am I? I but I don't remember. I, uh, Kelly, I don't, I don't think so. I, I feel like there was a whole, there's a little, and, and, you know, and again, I watched the extended version, oh. so I don't know what is oh. and isn't in, in yeah. the extended Yeah, right. But, but I'm, I'm remembering that, yeah, like her, Kelly's dad, like, and again, people listening, if I'm not remembering this, because I watched this, um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it just before we recorded. I watched it a month ago because mm. we all had a very fun time on Twitter with me forgetting that February 19th and March 19th are not the same day. <laughs> but, uh, but um, that, yeah, that like Kelly's dad raped Susie's mom or something. And, and so Susie's actually like the illegitimate daughter. But again, I, if I'm misremembering that, but either way, that does just drive into, like you said, Linz, mm -hmm. this whole sort of class warfare idea that Susie's like, you know what? You all fucking suck. And I'm going to take everything from all of you. Like it, it just supports that same theme of, of right. the whole. Mm. Yes. Cause uh, Susie's living with her grandparents, isn't she? Our uncle and aunt. I uh, can't quite remember. It's her mother is not in the picture anymore. You get the sense. I don't quite remember what happened to her. She either left or something bad, very, very bad happened. Um, and so she's kind of living with either her grandparents or an uncle, though I do love Walter so much. Him with his with his gator stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. just the best. I'm like, what are you doing? That's a live alligator. What are you doing? <laughs> He's always just showing off now. He's going to get himself killed. I love that Walter doesn't speak. Yes. Until the end. Yeah. And when he does, it's very important to the story. Yeah, it is because Vega's interviewing him, asking him, and actually asking him, tell me about Susie. And he's like, yeah, she can sail. She's the smartest person I've ever met. She can do anything she wants. And then that's why this all happened. Um, and yeah, it's really well done. I love the fact that Walter doesn't speak till the end. <laughs> Um, any other thoughts? I, it was just really fun yeah. to revisit this. And it was really fun to talk about it with the two of you. Yeah, no, this has been absolute blast. I've been looking forward to hanging out with both of you for a, quite a little while. So this was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, all I will say is I, I think it's pretty clear that of the two that we talked about one is uh infinitely superior to the other but uh i don't care how bad uh or uh how much i don't like a movie i will talk to the two of you about any fucking movie wherever and whenever you want like i i just adore talking to both of you so this was this was a great great time no, this was an absolute blast. And um, yeah, I'll have anytime you two want to come on to the show, it's just say the word and you're on it. It, it doesn't matter because I always have like the best time talking to each of you. Um, but before we go, um, Kamalita, first, tell people where they can find your good work. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd, same handle for both, at Carmelita Says. And it's a brilliant follow. And yes, every single time she's on a podcast, please listen, because it is, you're always so intelligent and so amazing. And yeah, I absolutely love listening to you on anything. And then I get to talk to you now. So that's even better. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. And Mike, please continue. 
Yes. Oh, sorry, Mike. She's pod- no, I was just going to say, she's podcast crack, man. If you have a podcast, get Carmelita on your podcast. And she's got the best gig now because she's established herself as this great guest, but she doesn't have her own podcast. She doesn't have to do the work that we do. It's no. brilliant. Exactly. She just goes, shows up and makes everything better. I mean, there's a reason why Daniel keeps saying, in Carmelita, we trust. Um, <laughs> um, Mike, please tell people where they can find um, you and, or more importantly, Action um, for Everyone. Yeah, you can find me uh, at on Twitter at Hibachi Justice and on Letterboxd and uh, Action for Everyone. You can find on Twitter at A4E Podcast and anywhere that uh, you can listen to podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. So uh, just please make sure to check us out. Like I said, at the time we're recording this, we just recorded with the guys from the King cast. Uh, and so that's going to be a, uh, yeah, that's going to be a good episode. It'll be out uh by the time this comes out so yeah check us out no that's gonna be an amazing episode um i dip in and out of the king cast but i do really like it so this is gonna be absolutely um, amazing um yeah and just yeah seriously action for everyone is becoming one of the best podcasts around um considering how much you three goof around um it is um and flow crap at each other especially when liam finds out that you don't like um a24's um action underground i mean six underground um was probably one of the funniest things um i have heard on a podcast for a while um (laughs) jesus christ never meet your heroes people never (laughs) never never like never like movies from somebody and then meet them they will you will just disappoint you no i'm i'm kidding i adore liam o'donnell he is a he is my brother uh we like to i I have to explain to people sometimes it's you know we're both wrestling fans Mm. and uh, there's a wrestling term it's kayfabe it's all the stuff that happens in ring all the shit that liam and i talk it's all kayfabe i have nothing but love for that guy Oh, no, you have, like, the ultimate Bruce Campbell, um, Sam Raimi relationship. I mean, you fling shit at each other, but you can tell it's in brotherly love. So it's, um, <laughs> you can absolutely tell that. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming on for this episode. This was, as I thought, as, as much fun to record. Um, and the fact that I got to watch Wild Things again was just like, I need to get this on blue. Um, I love this movie. Um, and, yeah, thank you so much for listening to Schlock and Awe. Um, yep, we're on all the apps, as you already probably know. Um, if you want to follow us, it's schlockenall1 on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to follow me, it's Reading Geek on Twitter and also on Letterboxd. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This is going to be an apps. This was, as I keep saying, it was fun because it was so much fun hanging out with you guys. Um, and yeah, we'll, we will be back with another double feature next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. (laughs) 